Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Thursday, May 2nd. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, In These Times writer Miles Komplassen will join us. It's the return of union man Jeff Johnson. And we welcome to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show, our good friend, former host of the Chicago Newsroom, Kenny D. Ken Davis. And now your host, Benny J. Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Someone's Got to Pay for It Thursday. And here's why. Uh-oh, everybody. Bad news, people. Over at the Tribune, the editorial page is jumping for joy has to do with something called one center all right now that's a mega project earmarked for the railroad tracks just west of soldier field on the near south side okay follow me when i tell you uh oh word of warning (laughs) whenever the tribute editorial board gets excited about a mega project i get a little nervous why Because generally that means some developers getting ready to ask me and you and all the other suckers in this city and this state now to pay for it. You don't think they're going to pay for it on their own, do you? Come on, people. Come on. All right. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Your taxes are going to go up, up, up. All right. Now. The project is the brainchild of a developer named Bob Dunn, who stopped by the Tribune editorial office to tell him all about it because he probably figured out that they would be waving the flag the hardest. D, you notice Dunn didn't stop by our show? That damn Dunn. (laughs) Come on, Dunn. You could have stopped by and tried to sell us on it. Off on a bad foot. No, he knows the truth. A bunch of suckers over at the Tribune. I get them to do anything. Anyway, let's give Dunn some credit. I'm going to show Dunn some love. He's from Wisconsin, but he's already figured out that the best way to get the suckers of Illinois to pay for his project is to stop by the Tribune's office. Okay, because the Tribune editorial board loves paying for mega deals. Somehow or other, they've convinced themselves that when you pay for a mega deal, it's not really paying for it. In other words, if the mega deal raises your taxes to pay for the deal, somehow or other, that's not raising your taxes, even though you're paying more money. Got that, D? Yeah. Your taxes go up, but it's not a tax hike. Why? Because it's economic development. Got that? All right, don't ask any more questions, all right? Just pay your tax bill. God damn, the Tribune. <laughs> okay, ready? One more time. Your taxes go up, but it's not a tax hike. Why? Because it's economic development. Okay, see? When you give a wealthy man money to build a project, it's not a tax hike. It's not an expenditure. It's an investment. That's the world according to the Tribune. 
Yes, yes, indeed. I got to give Bob Don credit, as I said. He has figured out how to play this game. Here's the deal, folks. He wants to build a skyscraper over the train tracks that run uh, just, uh, what is it, west of the Soldier Field in that area of the South Loop. So in order to build those skyscrapers, he essentially has to have something to build it on. He needs a platform, if you will, just Boiling it down to the basics. Cost about mm, $3.8 billion at the moment, according to the most of the articles, to build that platform. So now a savvy developer has to figure out, all right, how do I get somebody else to pay for that platform? Cannot build my skyscraper unless I have something to build it on. Need to have somebody else pay to build that platform. I got it! A transit center! I know! I'll tell the suckers of Chicago this is all about a transit center! And we're gonna have, and then he, I'm gonna go into detail. We're gonna have the Amtrak trains, and the CTA trains, and the Metro trains. They'll all merge into this giant transit center. It's what you want, people! A transit center! Isn't that what you want? Sounds pretty awesome! Didn't you wake up this morning saying, you know what I want? A transit center! This morning? Every morning! <laughs> Well, you're going to get it. Yes. Okay. Oh, nice my job, Don. <laughs> well done, Don. Well done, Don. I got to give him credit, man. Bob Dunn, you're pretty shrewd. One, you figured out the biggest suckers in town are the Tribune's editorial board, so you went straight to them. And two, you figured out that the fastest way to get the public to pay for your project is to convince the public that they're getting something out of your project. I now, like them. All right, Dunn's a smart guy. Maybe he should be running this show. We'd be number one in the ratings. All right, now let me just say this, Don. And uh, Tribune and everybody else, you know, may not be a bad idea to have a transit center on the near south side. I didn't wake up thinking this is the number one priority when it came to infrastructure in the city of Chicago. There's a lot of bridges that need to be rebuilt. There's a lot of roads that need to be repaved. There's a lot of crumbling buildings throughout the city, public buildings that could be. There's other infrastructure needs. But, you know, I transit center may make sense but let's not lose sight of something folks that you'll never get from the tribune which is the straight dope the straight deal on this one the transit center is really the platform on which this developer is going to build his skyscraper he's not building this thing because he thinks he really wants to help the city with its transit needs he's building this thing because he needs a platform on which to rest his skyscraper all right never lose sight of that people for once in your life chicago and illinois don't be dumb we got a great show today, everybody. Miles Conflassen, speaking of guy who is not dumb, will be in here in the studio from In These Times, talking all the political issues of the day, local and national. Jeff Johnson, union man Jeff Johnson, pension guru, will be here at 2 o'clock. Uh, and, uh, and Kenny Davis, our good friend. By the way, the show is still on. Uh, I call it the Kenny Davis oh, show. I thought it was. Uh, I thought Ken was done with the news. He still. He still has three more shows. I okay. think. You know. I know. It's like the the show never ends, even though he announces he's leaving and he never leaves. Uh, but he taped a show today. We're supposed to tape a show anyway. Kenny D. And he is going to defend 
Mayor Rahm Emanuel. That's the deal, okay? He said, Ben, you're too hard on the mayor, too rough on the mayor, okay? And he's going <laughs> to... You're too hard on Ken Davis. <laughs> too rough on Ken Davis. You know I love Kenny D. So Kenny D's going to come in here and he's going to defend Mayor Rahm. What a great mayor Mayor Rahm is. And, oh my God, we're going to be talking uh, local issues, national issues, oh my God presidential race michael bennett's in the race and i'm not talking about the defensive tackle for the seattle seahawks folks i'm talking about a senator from colorado so there's no shortage of issues of which to talk about and we're going to get right down to it with the doctor and the national news how's it going guys my name's dennis live stream chat room uh the live stream video yeah i got nothing here i'm trying to get the techie behind the scenes here brian the man ernst brian the brain ernst i'm trying to uh Flag him down, and hopefully we'll get the live video going soon. More of an audio guy, you know what I mean, everybody? Mm-hmm. All right, it's the middle of the day. Let's talk about what's happening nationally this afternoon. It's William Barr, House Judiciary Committee Hearing Day 2. But there's a twist. Today's trial is missing one thing. William Barr. <laughs> yeah, the redaction guy oh, redacted God. himself oh, from the hearing. He no-showed. Where is he? Ben, is he under that Hold table? Hold on, let me lock on. Where are you, no, Barr? He's, no, he's 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 not he's not under the table. Hey, no show. But Rom's under the table. What's oh, he man. doing down there? Get out of there! <laughs> Is that Dunn guy down there too? <laughs> Dunn's talking. He's still selling the tribute. Huh? I got this uh, bridge in Arizona. Oh, sounds good to us. <laughs> the Tribune. Oh, we're aboard. <laughs> no, actually, after appearing before the Senate Wednesday, Barr said he would refuse to show up for round two, objecting to the fact that staff lawyers would be allowed to ask questions. Oh, no, I wouldn't want the lawyers to ask questions. That's a hard. These questions are hard. Okay, guys, this is hard. I got to go. <laughs> so God, the House said, to hell with you, then. We'll do it without you. They proceeded with the hearing. Chairman Jerry Nadler got it started, calling William Barr's refusal to appear part of a pattern of obstruction of congressional oversight. Here's the quote from Nadler. Quote, we will have no choice but to move quickly to hold the Attorney General in contempt if he stalls or fails to negotiate in good faith. Citing the Justice Department's refusal to hand over an uh, unredacted copy of the Mueller report to Congress in response to a subpoena. And the political, uh, the, the politicians got jokes here. Representative Steve Cohen, <laughs> and gets a kick out of this. Representative Steve Cohen today not only brought a plastic chicken, but a bucket of fried chicken oh, as well chicken. to this morning's House Judiciary Committee in a message to William Barr. He's here, Cohen said, pointing to the chicken and referring to A.G. Barb. Get yeah. it, Ben? He's calling him a chicken. Yeah, I get it. It took a while for me to get went over my head at first. Like, why did he bring the chicken? Still trying to figure out uh, where he got a bucket of fried chicken at 9 a.m., but still pretty good. Pretty uh, funny joke. I love uh, fried chicken so much. House Judiciary members are now working to secure a date for special counsel Robert Mueller to testify and said they hoped Mueller would appear before May 15th. Oh, and here's Ben Jarofsky's all-time favorite speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, speaking <laughs> at a press conference today regarding William Barr's no-show. Let's, yeah. uh, let me pull it up here, All pull right. up the audio, and then we'll here hear we from Pelosi. Hang tight with me. Ben, please stall. Okay, Nancy Pelosi's coming on. I love Nancy Pelosi, all right? <laughs> Well, you know, it's 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 been a long path uh, from to me to get me to love Nancy Pelosi. I was not always a big fan of Nancy Pelosi, but I really appreciate uh, the way she's sort of keeping that Democratic caucus together uh, in Congress during these precarious. Okay, stop stalling. We got it. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Well, yesterday was quite a day. I really lost sleep last night after watching over and over again the testimony of the Attorney General of the United States. How sad it is. How sad it is for us to see 
the top law enforcement officer in our country, misrepresenting, withholding the truth from the Congress of the United States. I think it's really time that as I watched him and kept saying, what could possibly be motivating the Attorney General of the United States to disrespect the Constitution of the United States, the separation of power, the right of Congress to know? What possible motivation could the Attorney General of the United States have uh, to dishonor the office that he holds by writing there for the whole world to see, to misrepresent the facts to the Congress of the United States? Okay, then put your I love Nancy Pelosi bumper sticker down and tell us what you thought of that. <laughs> well, okay. First of all, I would love to hear where she was going with it, but uh, I understand she was sort of asking rhetorical questions. Uh, but Nancy Pelosi, as I've said many times, the role she's playing is sort of uh, the good cop, if you will. Like the, the, the head of the Democratic Party, who's very reluctant to begin impeachment uh, hearings, uh, because unstated reasons, she realizes that, I don't know, the polls show that like 50% of the country, or I don't know what the polls are now, but I think it's close to 50%, really uncertain about impeachment hearings, don't know if they want to deal with the controversy of impeachment. So she doesn't want to move too fast on that front. On the other hand, she knows that the base of the Democratic Party uh, really wants impeachment hearings, and that there's also evidence of some serious obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. And so it's like, if you're not going to impeach the president over obstructing justice, she's just going let the president, I guess, no laws, uh, you know, relate to the president. The president's free to do whatever he wants. I mean, the president literally said that he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue uh, and get away with it. Well, is that going to be the case? So you could see how she's just playing, trying to be even-handed as she can, not going too closely to the bends of the party who want impeachment, uh, and sort of just playing to that middle-of-the-road crowd that's a little nervous, always a little scared about political confrontation. So that's the, the game that she's playing. That's the political strategy she's taking. She's playing the good cop, and she's the concerned good cop today. And she should be concerned, because the way Barr was maneuvering yesterday shows that he is acting less as Attorney General, Chief Prosecutor for the United States, and more as a defense lawyer for one Donald Trump. Find Ben Jarofsky at the Nancy Pelosi fan club party <laughs> held in Chicago next week. I do like Con- Nancy Pelosi. I, what can I say? Contact Ben Jarofsky <laughs> for more information. J-O-R-A-V is in victory. S-K-Y. He loves Nancy Pelosi. By the way, the Justice Department quickly responded to Pelosi saying, quote, oh. the baseless attack on the attorney general is reckless irresponsible and false. Okay, it's baseless, reckless, irresponsible and false. By the way, I was making fun of the Chicago Tribune's editorial board, so I must give a shout out to uh, one Rex Hupke. He wrote a very funny column in today's Tribune. So, you know, you give with one hand, you take with the other. You take with one hand, you give with the other. Rex Hupke is a very uh, funny guy. I'm reluctant to give him too much praise because the Tribune bosses go, oh, Ben likes him. Move him. <laughs> All right, go. go. Uh, it's been nice, Rex. Yeah, right. See you, Rex. But it's a very funny piece. Uh, Barr didn't lie to Congress. He was just Trump, Trump-tastically on brand. And he talks about, points out how Barr starts out the hearing with a big old whopper of a lie. But somehow or other, it's not a lie, you know? And uh, so it's a great column by Rex. And Rex, if you get fired for because I gave you praise, um, Nah, they won't fire you. They'll just, you know, move you to the night shift or something like that. All right, good luck, Rex. In other news nationally, President Donald Trump had a particular guy in mind to run the Federal Reserve. Stephen, oh, my God. Stephen Moore is his this name. Dude, yeah. He's a conservative economics commentator. Yeah, but he got real, railroaded real quick. President Donald Trump announced on Twitter that Stephen Moore will no longer be nominated to the Federal Reserve. According to Trump, uh, Moore had, quote, 
decided to withdraw from the Fed process just hours after Moore insisted that he was, quote, all in and planned to see the process through. Yes. All right. Stephen Moore is a joke. Uh, I don't know, folks, if you've we haven't talked about Stephen Moore in this. He's a commentator uh, who wrote a series of what he thought. were. I, I guess he was trying a, a comedy. And so the punchline had to do with how he hated women. Essentially, I go back and check out the comedy. He hated women in sports. Didn't think they could be referees. Didn't like them commentating, commentating on sports, et cetera, et cetera. So somehow or other, you know, he thought that was funny. He wrote these things. I forget about 10 years ago, eight years ago. And uh, now they're coming back to haunt him. Uh, as Trump was propping him up to be in the Federal Reserve Board. You also recall Trump, we talked about this earlier, D, wanted Herman Cain, a member Herman Cain. Pizza to, man. Yeah, pizza man Herman Cain, who was the Donald Trump of the 2012 uh, presidential cycle. And um, just goes to show you how far we've fallen as a country. Uh, Herman Cain couldn't get out of Iowa. Donald Trump is now our president. That's how things have changed. But anyway, uh, he wanted, they were both going to be rubber stands for whatever he wanted to do in terms of Federal Reserve policy, in terms of a larger economic policy in this country, dealing with taxes, dealing with uh, uh, interest rates, et cetera. And um, uh, so Herman Cain had to withdraw because of his of records of alleged sexual harassment. And now Stephen Moore has decided, you know, maybe a good idea uh, for the president uh, not to aggravate uh, women any more than he has already aggravated them because they're just coming to the conclusion, the realization, D, that women get to vote too. All right. So if you have Way to come around. A, a, a misogynist uh, president, it may be not a good idea to have uh, Stephen Moore on the Federal Reserve Board, who's even more misogynistic than Trump. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're tied. Anyway, so political realities. Hey, look who's suddenly so politically correct. The Republican Party. And finally, make room, scooch over, watch your feet. <laughs> we have a new 2020 Democratic presidential candidate entering the room. Hands in your pockets, Joe Biden. <laughs> he's Colorado Senator Michael <laughs> Bennett. And if that name didn't give it away, yes, he's a white guy. He's the former head of Denver Public Schools, the son of a former ambassador to India, and a Yale Law School graduate who worked in the Clinton administration. Bitten also worked or Bennett also worked for Republican billionaire Phil Anschutz. Probably said that wrong when he moved to Colorado in the late 1990s. And yes, just like every other candidate, Bennett announced his candidacy via online video. I have the audio. Here is our newest 2020 Democratic candidate, Joe Biden. Hands, pocket, <laughs> now. Here's the video from Michael Bennett. There are 7,591 words in the Constitution of the United States. The word politics is not among them. That's because our nation's founders knew that politics and governing aren't the same thing. When campaigning never stops, governing never begins. I'm Michael Bennett, and for the past 10 years, I've been a senator from the great state of Colorado. You probably don't know me because I don't go on cable news every night. I didn't set out to be a politician. My last job was superintendent of the Denver Public Schools. And I didn't go to Washington to get attention. I went to pay attention to what would help the people who sent me there make their lives better. I've spent a lot of time on farms and ranches, town halls and living rooms, listening and learning. So you may not know me, but over the years, I've learned a lot about what Americans struggle with. They work hard, but healthcare and prescription drugs keep costing more. For the last 40 years, 90% of Americans haven't received a decent pay raise. This is not sustainable for our families or our democracy. 
Since 2001, we've spent more than $10 trillion on tax cuts for the wealthy and wars in the Middle East. What would our country look like today if we'd spent that money investing in our own future? We could have saved Social Security forever, fixed the VA, raised the pay of every teacher by 50%. We could have led the world in solving climate change. We could have fixed our crumbling bridges and dams, but we did none of it. So we need to start now by investing in things Americans need the most. We need to fix health care and make good on what Obamacare promised. Affordable, high-quality health insurance with a public option that will guarantee competition to every county in America and lower drug prices. And that's not Medicare for all, because I don't think 180 million Americans want to give up the insurance they already have through their work or their union. All right. He's already trying to distinguish himself there at the very end from Bernie uh, Sanders. You see, that's not Medicare for us. I'm going to figure out a way to pay for everybody to have health insurance, a public option, without forcing uh, Ben and Dennis to give up their private health insurance. Uh, well, at least one of us has private health insurance. Yeah, at the moment. What are you talking about, dude? Uh, and uh, so, you know, that's that's the game he's playing. And the real issue, of course, is how he's going to figure out how to pay for all that. And um, little, uh, not a lot of specificity on that front. I don't blame him. That politics being politics. If you start talking about tax hikes, and we're going to talk about this uh, in terms of Illinois and the fight going on with the flat tax versus a fair tax uh, here in Illinois. But sooner or later, you have to talk about how you are going to pay for the things that people want. And I will give Elizabeth Warren credit. I will always give Elizabeth Warren credit in this point, D. She is very specific. She wants to uh, raise taxes on the wealthiest people in this country. And she's very specific about how she would do that. Uh, many of the other Democratic candidates are really reluctant to talk about that side of the equation. But I repre- I, I welcome them. There are now, I'm going to 20 candidates. Well, according to Frank, hey, Frank, okay. there's 22 candidates. 20. I, I got 20, Frank. You know, Frank is smart. He's usually right, and I'm usually wrong. By the way, Frank, I, will, I hope to see you next Tuesday at the hideout. Uh, Mick Dumpke and I will be doing a hideout show. Scotty Wagusback will be our guest, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, Maria Haddon, the newly elected alderman of the 49th Ward, Scott Wagusback uh, of the 32nd Ward. We'll be talking about the city council under, uh, in the age of uh, mayor-elect Lightfoot. As uh, Rom uh, leaves, bye-bye, Rom. See you, uh, <laughs> Mayor Rom. Uh, anyway, uh, just that brief tangent there. Uh, Tuesday at the hideout, uh, 6.30. Anyway, uh, according to my cheat sheet, I think there's 20, but uh, Frank says there's 22. I usually bow to his wisdom. Well, here's how we'll do this. You you name the 20, and then Frank will weigh in on Facebook and let you know what two you're missing. Do you want me to do that right now? Right now. All right, here's my cheat sheet. I'm going to count them down. Uh, Senator Michael Bennett, one. Uh, Jolton Joe Biden, two. Bernie Sanders, three. Kamala Dollars four, Beto O'Rourke five, Pete Buttigieg six, Elizabeth Warren seven, Amy Klobuchar uh, eight, Cory Booker nine, uh, Kirsten Gildebrand uh, ten, Andrew Yang eleven, Jay Inslee twelve, John Hickenlooper thirteen, Tulsi Gabbard thirteen, John Delaney fourteen, Marion Williams fifteen, Julian Castro sixteen, Wayne Messman seventeen, Seth Moulton eighteen, uh, the dude Eric. Uh, Sawwell? Sawwell, 19, and uh, young Tim Ryan from Ohio, 20. He's the congressman. He's a congressman who, who doesn't like Nancy Pelosi because he thinks she's too liberal. Oh, my God. So that's 20. That's the 20 I have. So, Frank, what two did he miss? Head over to the Facebook page. I'm, you're, I'm sure you're doing it right now. And let us know. And we'll. Uh, All right. We'll you know, I, I bow to his wisdom. All did right. I, uh, did I say Wayne West? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
By the way, to get on, it's really complicated. There's only, I think there's only 17 uh, candidates. Who, if to be on the, there's these qualifications that the Democratic candidate, the Democratic Party makes for its candidates to be in a debate. Follow me in this, folks. This is total geekdom. I bet you even Kenny Davis doesn't know this stuff. But, you know, I'll bet you Jeff Johnson knows this because he is such a political geek. All right. Uh, I think one of them has to do with donations. You need like 65,000 people uh, who have donated to your party, uh, to your uh, campaign, that is. So it shows that you have widespread support. And then you have to register uh, like 1%. So it's not really a high bar, 1%. D. I think I'm getting 1% in some of these polls uh, in a a national poll. Uh, So and then you get invited to debate. But I think there's... There's three candidates uh, who don't qualify, who've not raised the money, and not um, they're not at the polls. So anyway, not that easy to get on that debate. Now, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Mm-hmm. We'll keep you posted on those other two candidates we're missing from Frank as well. <laughs> well, we're moving on. Benny J., you ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon? Yes, sir. I was born ready. I love that answer. Fantastic answer, and we're just going to get right into it. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news. The state Senate approved a change to the Illinois Constitution. Will it pass the House? More on that in moments. But first, Ben, you were riffing on it earlier. Is there anything else you'd like to add on to the one central site in your <laughs> soldier field before we move on? Or as you like to call it, Lincoln Yards on steroids. Yes. All right. We'll be talking about that. I know I'm going to raise this with uh, young Kenneth Davis because something you should know about Kenny D. Uh, Kenny D is, uh, we don't see eye to eye on everything. And particularly with anything that has to do with transportation, he loves. So I'm sure he'll be uh, endorsing and waving the flag for this one. Uh, again, this is the huge mega project. Uh, that is earmarked for uh, the South Loop, uh, right around just west of Soldier Field, on over the train tracks. And in order to uh, construct the skyscrapers, the developer needs a platform. And to get the public to pay for the platform, he says, hey, it's going to be a transit center. And so that was enough to convince the Tribune. Yay! Anyway. It's working on me. It's. <laughs> I have to say this. Here's, here's a, Love transit. Developers are clever. All right? So after 20 years of fighting, people like myself have convinced the people of the city of Chicago that the combination of letters that equal T-I-F is B-A-D. Bad. Okay? They may not know anything else except I don't like TIFFs. And so as a result, the first thing they're saying is like, this is not a TIF-funded deal. This is not a TIF-funded deal. Maybe that'll get that Ben guy to shut up. This is not a TIF-funded deal. Folks, if it's not, that's great that it's not a TIF-funded deal. It's still public money. You know, there's other public money other than TIF deals. I'll explain more of this later, folks. But I just, I love it. The the first thing, it's not a TIF-funded deal. Everybody falls asleep. Oh, well, it's not. Hey, Ben can't complain about it. It's not a TIF-funded deal. Anyway, good, good we'll luck on getting this guy to shut up, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Don, you got to give Don credit. Two things. One, went to the Tribune board. Oh, they're all on board already. And two, not a TIF funded deal. Oh, my God, Ben, you'd be so proud of me. I fixed the live stream. Wave high. Hey, everybody, we're back up on the video. How's it I'll going? I'll tell you what, man. I did it all by myself. He went to radio school. Did you know that, people? He went to radio school. <laughs> not video school, but I figured it out. All right. 
Our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker and company have put the plan in motion. The state Senate approved a change to the Illinois Constitution on Wednesday that would replace the state's flat income tax structure with a graduated tax after the year 2020. Mm -hmm. The governor's plan passed the chamber on a 40 to 19 party line vote. So hurdle number one has been jumped. But now comes hurdle number two. And boy, it's a doozy getting the graduated tax plan passed through the House. House Democrats. Democratic leader Greg Harris of Chicago said the concept of a graduated tax has broad support among his caucus. But before the House votes, Democratic leaders need to, quote, carefully analyze the Senate's changes to Pritzker's original proposal. We need to review them, Harris said. It's very complicated legislation. It has a lot of moving parts. Okay, time out. There are so many people who've just entered the studio that I'd expect to see. Mick Dumpke has entered the studio. Totally surprised to see him at this hour. Uh, Jeff Johnson has entered the studio. Not that surprised to see him. Gentlemen, meet each other. Mick Dumpke, yeah, Jeff Johnson. Right. And now Miles is at a... Right. We have enough people to play cards. I mean, it's... <laughs> anyway, uh, I love it when guests come early, even when they're unexpected. Uh, all right, but back to, to your question. We have a long way to go with many hurdles. By the way, there's many experts not the least of which is Jeff Johnson. So we're going to uh, get him to talk about this when he comes on the show. But uh, there are many hurdles to clear uh, before the progressive income tax um, is a reality in the state of Illinois. So we are far re- away from it. The big fight will be fighting. Well, the next big fight and the big legislative fight will be in the House. I'm not sure they have the votes to pass. I'd be really curious to see what Miles and Jeff Johnson have to say about that. And then if it does get through the House, there's a statewide referendum. Needs 60% of the vote, correct, Jeff? 60% of the vote is no joke, particularly when you consider the forces that the Republican Party will uh, put up against it. So this is not a done deal by any chance. Now, of course, our Illinois friends of the far right-wing persuasion are calling this graduated income tax a Pritzker bait-and-switch scheme. And Senate Republican leader Bill Brady of Bloomington said the current flat tax system protects taxpayers because lawmakers are reluctant to raise taxes on everyone and that a graduated tax amendment will be defeated by voters. Here's the quote from Brady, quote, We believe our current Constitution, crafted by the 1970 Constitutional Convention, wisely decided that Illinois taxpayers need protections against politicians. The (laughs) fact that our Constitution currently calls for a flat tax has given various protections to those individuals and protected, we believe, the middle class. So, Ben, the question, weigh in on the bill, Brady, but also Mm. give me a percentage here. What are the chances the graduated income tax plan gets passed in the House? I'm going to duck and dodge in this one, all right? I'm going to duck and dodge. Well, he's an honest man. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm going to, this is what I was going to ask Jeff Johnson. He's the guy who knows these things. And Mick Dumkey knows this stuff too. And Miles as well. I, I do. Madigan has generally protected uh, his caucus members for having to take votes that would be unpopular in their districts. He's different than Rahm in that respect. Rahm doesn't care. He just wants them to do what he says. And he doesn't care if they lose. Uh, but Madigan, you know, he's always protecting his caucus members. So will he round up, what is it, 71 votes? The 71 votes? Because you're not going to get any Republicans. Jeff Johnson's nodding his head. He knows. You're not going to get any Republicans to go aboard this. Will Madigan uh, twist enough Democratic arms to get that 71? I I just do not know the answer. I'm not ready to put money down in Vegas this Wendy. All right. That's a duck and a dodge, I realize, but... 
that's what I'm doing. Our hosts, ladies and gentlemen, Ducker and Dodger. No, just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago and Illinois. And now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? All right, very good. I want to uh, tell you something that uh, Robert Dunn, the de- developer who wants to build one oh, central, yeah, cool. John Dunn, the poet, one of your favorite poets, and all Billy right. Dunn, a kid I went to high school with, they all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. I'm going to figure out who our next guest is, and we'll be right back. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. At Chicago and Cremation Options, we are committed to listening, educating, and guiding your family through the cremation process. Whether it is time of death or when planning your wishes for the future, Chicagoland Cremation Options can accommodate you at an affordable price and with great dignity. Avoid funeral home costs with direct access to a crematory for a cremation. Chicagoland Cremation Options, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business and operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Visit it at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are back indeed, and uh, I took that break to figure out who our next guest is. We have two guests. When it rains, it pours on the Ben Jarofsky Show, and it's pouring today. Miles Kampflausen from In These Times, political reporter, extraordinary, extraordinary, and then man, the myth, the legend, my partner in crime uh, from First Tuesday. Yes, Mick Dumpke is in the studio. I was very surprised to see, but pleasantly surprised. Always good to man, see Man, I'm, I'm lucky when I get anywhere on time, and this time I show up two hours early. <laughs> oh. uh, it's all good. It's all good. Well, all right. We'll say, we'll save it up for the next time when I'm two hours late. Yeah, the, it's not like that. It's not like the Cubs can score 12 runs in a game and then put it in a bank, Mick. You know what I mean? It doesn't work that way like they did last. Then they scored 11 last night. Should have been a one to nothing game. You put 10 runs in a bank and then you can, it doesn't work. There. If only. All right, before we uh, get into all the issues of the day, uh, let's promote the heck out of First Tuesday. It is coming up. I talked about it a little bit already, but why don't you tell folks again? It's this Tuesday. Give them all the info. It's coming next Tuesday. Yeah. We will be talking about the uh, the new and, and, and of course, much improved city council with uh, veteran alderman Scott Wagaspeck, one of uh, Lori Lightfoot's early supporters and uh, the leader of the Progressive Caucus. And we will also be talking, joined by um, Maria Haddon, the uh, incoming alderman of the 49th Ward. So we'll have a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new talking to us about uh, what they think is going to happen here at City Hall. Mm-hmm. So that's Tuesday, May 7th at 6.30. 
Six thirty. Feel free to come two hours early, everybody. <laughs> uh, you can join Mick at the bar. Uh, all right. Uh, and so first Tuesdays, of course, a bit of a kingmaker now. Uh, after the last guest, uh, Lori Lightfoot, has now ascended into City well. Hall. There's you know, Miles. Thank you for saying. Although there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, we'll be, I guess, uh, we had our October guest was Tony Preckwinkle, and we really didn't elevate her to anything. We, we did not. Uh, and we also got Lori Lightfoot. After she had won the first round, so um, did so we? I don't know if we're really a, a king or queen maker. Miles, <laughs> yeah, but uh, that when was when was I actually cannot remember. Everything we had her in March, so it was just after she had right. Won it was the, just after she won. You're finished right. Finished first in the first round. Of um, yes, uh, Mayor Elect Lori Lightfoot. We're going to ask both of you for your thoughts, your early thoughts on her. Uh, but and, and Miles, we won't go through the list of people who have been on our show who now appear <laughs> headed to federal prison. Yeah, I was uh, there for the Rick the, Munoz episode. Yes, <laughs> Rick, Rick has actually been our guest at least twice on the show. Yeah. one time Rick was a guest with Danny Solis. Oh, so goodness. think about that, Alderman yeah. Danny Solis. Alderman, and we Rick still Munoz. don't know. Where uh, he is, right? I presume he's in witness protection. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. He's completely disappeared. Um, which uh, <laughs> leads me uh, to my favorite question of the day, which I was not even planning to discuss. Aldermanic prerogative. You know what? Let's not even go there. But it's just funny. I have to point out that they always talk about how the aldermen are the bosses of zoning and the ward, and the newly elected alderman of the 25th ward is against the TIF deal. Earmark for the for the 78, and they voted for it anyway. So, Miles, do you agree with me that alderman and prerogative is a, a phony issue that has been exaggerated beyond its uh, reality? Well, I think it's fascinating that, you know, one of the things that uh, you rightly brought up at that uh, meeting with Lori on the first Tuesdays was Lincoln Yards and really trying to pin her down and say, what are you going to do once this, this deal is up? Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, diehard against it. And I remember her talking about, we can work it out with the allocation of payments and we'll have other opportunities to go through this. And then we saw what happened as soon as um, the deal came up before city council delayed 48 hours. So we had a 48 hour reprieve from a massive taxpayer giveaway. At least there though, you know, Hopkins was full on board uh, for supporting it. It's hard to make the case for the 78 right now because you know, there's no, there. it's champion Danny Solis, as you said, probably in witness protection somewhere. And Byron Sigjo Lopez, the new alderman has been adamantly against uh, giving away public funds. I mean, Pilsen has been so starved of resources, not to mention other areas like um, Chinatown that make up the ward. So uh, seeing this massive giveaway to a developer is clearly not what the voters of the 25th Ward were voting for when they um, chose their new alderman. So, you know, I I think, yeah, when we talk about aldermanic prerogative, it doesn't look like it really existed much before anyway. Uh, Mick, I don't know if I've had this opportunity to talk about this with you on the show. I know I've had so many conversations with you about this private conversations on phones. (laughs) So I'm just going to put it to you. Uh, In the aftermath of Lori, as a mile saying, sort of flip-flopping and um, not strongly opposing the TIF deal, um, after she said, you're right, at at the hideout show and and this show, that she she was against it, she would oppose it. Um, Do you buy the standard uh, defense of the Lori Lightfoot people that she made a, a, a prudent political move by not engaging in a fight that she couldn't win. And sometimes it's best to walk away from a fight that you're going to lose because it would make you look weak. That's the standard defense that I've heard from uh, many of Lori Lightfoot's uh, supporters in regards to this deal. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm not, we're not really sure if she would have won or lost. I mean, um, I, 
I don't know that that's clear. If she had really come out strongly um, in favor of stopping the process uh, after her election, and, and as Miles was noting, during that uh, finance committee and the recessed finance committee that happened, uh, we don't know what happened. I don't think we. I don't think we've had a situation like that in Chicago, where um, the incoming mayor is uh, diametrically opposed to something that the outgoing mayor has been pushing for months or years, and uh, aldermen flying all over the place, one direction or the other, <laughs> not knowing where they should land. Yeah. I, I just don't know um, that we'd ever seen anything like that. So it's hard to hard to have sort of a basis for for saying this is exactly what would happen. But I think what is clear is, yeah, they made a, she made a determination that this wasn't the way she wanted to start with a, with a fight like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's less about uh, whether you would have won or lost than even if you had won, um, who do you have in your corner when you're trying to figure out, you're trying to find your way around City Hall. I mean, you know, she doesn't, I, we don't know that she knows what she's doing yet. I'm pretty sure she doesn't. So um, I, I think that the the what would have been prudent is for her to be um, probably a little more careful about promising what she would or could do before she got in there. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're right, Miles. We tried to pin her down. Everybody else tried to pin her down. What she actually said on our show that I remember was, until the last check is cut, that she would do what she can to make sure we get a better deal. So uh, I guess if we're if we're really uh, splicing and dicing her words, then the last check has not been cut. I don't think a single check has been cut. So if she gets into office, that should mean that that everybody should keep up the pressure. Yeah, that's true. But I would just say that, you know, the, the, the while it could have been a massive fight, the simplest thing would just be saying, hey, let's do this after we have a new city council and a new mayor in office. You know, mm-hmm. like that's not bring this up to a vote um, until we have the new elected representatives uh, weigh in on it. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, we don't know which way it would have gone. And at that point, it wouldn't be necessarily all on Mayor Lightfoot to determine, but she could at least have some cover then, let's say, you know, if she wanted to extract more, because she did claim a win over, you know, minority hiring and some other areas where she said that the Sterling Bay moved a little bit. But I mean, just pushing it off, which is what even Rom kind of offered, right? When he said, you know, we'll let the new mayor elect have her say on this. I think that would have been um, at least following through more to what she had promised mm-hmm. before the election. Well, I'm going to claim victory of something which uh, it, it's almost ironic, and I'm laughing at myself for claiming victory. And I hope Jeff Johnson's listening to this one; he'll get a kick out of this. Um, the The issue at play uh, in Lincoln Yards and 78 was the TIF funding, uh, and it it <laughs> the public in the city of Chicago may not know the ins and the outs of TIFs, but they it, they have a general notion that somehow or other it's bad. And I think that um, uh, is... That was because of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So they go, T-I-F equal B-A-D. All right, so that's <laughs> basically it. So now, when old boy's coming out with this big plan on the near south side... The first thing they say is, no TIF funding. (laughs) People don't even know what, no TIF funding. All right, Ben, shut up about it. All right, ready? Now, it's a a public, they're they're asking for public money, Miles and Mick. I mean, they're asking for public money, but it's like, well, it's not TIF, so just keep walking by. You don't have to ask any questions. We'll call it something else. So do you think it's a victory, Mick? Yeah, I mean, the narrative has changed. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you, you have helped shape the narrative around TIFs. But on the other hand, they still got it through. So 
it's a bad thing. It's harder work to get it past the city council, but it's still got the pass the city council. And this, council. we should say this, the Lincoln Yard is the biggest tiff ever. So, I mean, this is, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Hardly a victory. <laughs> I, I say this about Jeff Johnson because he's Mr. Pensions, and he's got to figure out a way to finance uh, the city's pension obligations. And, of course, TIF dollars are property tax dollars, and generally the, the prime financer of our pensions are property tax dollars. So if you're spending the money on Lincoln Yards or if you're spending money in 78, there's less money for uh, your pension obligations. All right, um, the, the issue on your mind, Miles, these days has to do with charter school strikes and unionization of charter schools. Uh, what's the latest on that? Well, it's pretty incredible what we've just seen in the past few days. This is um, now the third charter strike in history in the United States that has uh, is happening right now. There's teachers and uh, walking out across the city. Uh, late last night, one of the schools did settle that had uh, done a picket yesterday, the Sh- uh, Chicago uh, uh, Institute of the Arts, is it? Uh, mm-hmm over on uh, near California and Augusta, um, they uh, got a fair contract, but um, this has been an incredible um, news event, I think. And, you know, we've seen these, this wave of teacher strikes across the country from West Virginia to uh, Kentucky and Los Angeles and Oakland. This is really the story of the labor movement in the past few decades has been this wave of teacher strikes because there's this militancy um, even amongst unorganized teachers where there weren't strong unions. There, some of these were, were wildcat strikes. Here what we've seen is the Chicago Teachers Union strategically try to build their membership by uh, growing their ranks through getting charter school teachers represented. And what they're saying is we want to see these teachers have the same rights and the same protections as we have. And so, uh, you know, it's not uh, it, it's not as if they're asking for, you know, pie in the sky ideas. They're saying, hey, we want to be compensated the same way CPS teachers are. And often these uh, teachers are making, you know, 30 percent less than CPS teachers, the ones at the charter schools. And that's part of the reason for the massive turnover we see at those schools. So um, that's been pretty incredible to see. Mick, we've seen a, a great uh, movement in this. When back, I think it was uh, seven years ago that we wrote a story together. We were at the, I can't remember. It was so many years ago. Uh, talk about that. We're trying to force charter schools to abide by the same uh, public uh, information laws in terms of how much they pay their teachers, what their budgets were. Uh, and just talk about that. Danny Solis was in the middle of that, as I recall, wasn't he? Or no, it was uh, Juan Rangel. Was Juan Rangel, yeah. yeah. Um, you're, you're mixing up your former directors of UNO. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but just a few years ago, um, like you said, 2011, 2012, uh, we embarked on this mission to, uh, basically all we did was send FOIA requests to all the charter school operators in Chicago and ask them for, I think it was just very simple information, like their, their copy of their payroll and their budgets. Mm-hmm. And um, we got a, a just a wide range of responses. Some people actually did comply with our requests, but a lot of others, including at that time UNO, uh, basically said, no, we don't, we're not subject to the State Freedom of Information Act, yeah, which of course they were. And so, you know, we went, and some we, not we were, great things were happening with their finances. As yeah, we exactly. Exactly. I mean, so it was just a tip of the iceberg kind of thing. But at this point in time, you know, as, as Miles is just noting, the world is, has really changed on our charter schools, the way they're viewed, the way their employees are responding um, to the terms of their employment. Um, my understanding is they 
it's very clear now that they are subject to the Freedom of Information Act. Now, you know, uh, I'm not working in education very much right now, so I don't know how well they're doing it. But, you know, it's pretty obvious that that is something that applies to them. So the world has changed quite a bit, and I would expect it will continue to. What do you think the impact, Miles, will be uh, the charter school movement uh, in this upcoming Democratic primary for president. I know, like, for instance, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, one of the, uh, I'm, I have my cheat sheet uh, yeah. here of uh, Democratic candidates, and Cory Booker, who is a senator from New Jersey, big supporter of charter schools oh, yeah. when he was uh, mayor of Newark. What do, you, what do you think the impact will be on candidates like Booker? Well, uh, he's already on? changed his tune a little bit. He's um, talking, you know, in support of everybody wants to be seen as the, you know, the working man's champion, I'd say, in the Democratic primary, because that's the mold that has kind of been set is uh, who's going to stand up for the people that have been left behind by in Trump's America, and those largely have been, you know, working class and poor people, um, including teachers, including nurses, including the type of uh, workers in today's economy that are not benefiting from massive corporate giveaways, mm -hmm. which has been what we've seen under uh, President Trump. What I do think is that these teacher strikes have changed the narrative in a way because they've uh, put the um, role of workers determining their own. Um, them having a say on the job in a way that was not on the table before. And I think the issue with charter schools, I mean, there are non nonprofit charter operators, of course, but by and large, char charters exist to make a profit, To uh, which is a very different vision of public education than what we've seen traditionally in America, that these schools, and that's one of the reasons I think that they're a little bit more shady about their finances is because if you look at them, you'll see these massive executive compensation packages that just don't exist in the public sphere because they're able to do that also, you know, the, the contracts that they set up, a lot of that is very cloaked information and it's for a reason. And so that's one of the reasons that these teachers are, these charters teachers are demanding some more transparency because they want to have a say over where the money is going in their schools. They also, in Chicago, they want to pay into the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund. They don't want their money just to go to Social Security because they want to have some stability, which is what is promised. So um, on the national level, I think we're going to see more and more candidates try to line themselves up with um, the activists in these, uh, whether it's charter teachers or whether it's public school teachers across the country. Mick, uh, this is a perfect transition to uh, the Joe Biden uh, candidacy. We've been talking about that a lot here on the show. I don't think I've talked to you about uh, Joe Biden, but uh, Joe Biden and Barack Obama were big supporters of charter schools uh, that uh, in the from about 2008 to 2012 or so. Uh, the strong support from the Obama administration for charter schools. Do you think, in general, Joe Biden uh, allowed himself to drift too far to the right from the Democratic base? Well, it depends on which point in Joe Biden's career you're pointing to. I mean, I think the problem is simply someone who's been around so long has been uh, not only has stated positions on a whole range of issues, but and often uh, often times has changed his positions over the years. I mean, he was in the Senate for what twenty eight years, vice president for two terms, and now wants to run for president for the third time. So, uh, you know. Biden has been uh, out there uh, a lot. So there's a lot of material on Biden, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, what I hear from people, I don't know about the two of you, but uh, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I've, I've always liked Joe, you know, and people feel like they know him, even yeah. though he's a political, I always liked Joe, but he's been around too long. So I, I just, I just think a lot of the positions he's taken at various points in his career haven't aged well. <clears throat> 
I would completely agree with that. <laughs> I think that his, you know, his uh, image is as this, you know, guy from Scranton that gets along with everybody, Amtrak Joe. Uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, and it's carefully manicured. I think he wants to come off that way. And he probably, I mean, he is folksy in a way. So I do think that that is understandable. And so much of our politics is about personality, which is why we're seeing this Mayor Pete phenomenon, despite his complete lack of policy positions on pretty much any issue. Uh, but Biden does have this extremely problematic track record when it comes to fighting for working people. And I think that that's what's going to come out in this primary as he has, you know, we saw him launch his campaign talking about union workers. He got the firefighters support. But this is the guy that um, worked. Not only did he vote for NAFTA, he was one of the critical votes to um, to enact NAFTA. He also voted for that massive bankruptcy bill in 2005 that um, lavished, you know, uh, money upon the creditors and punished debtors at a, to an extreme degree. He voted um, uh, for uh, overturning Glass-Steagall, which was one of the reasons for the financial crash, this bill that allowed uh, uh, investment in commercial banks to merge. But also he, you know, under Obama, this, is, this isn't just old stuff. Under Obama, he was the person tasked with working on this grand bargain deal that uh, never came to fruition, but as part of it, as many listeners will probably remember, they were talking about cutting, massively cutting entitlements. And Joe uh, Joe Biden was the one putting those things on the table, um, cutting Social Security, cutting Medicare. He was negotiating with John Kyle, with all these Republicans, and saying, how much more we can, we, can we give you, basically? And I think it's this more naive, it's almost Obama-esque, this feeling that as long as we just give away the store, you know, and compromise all of our priorities and policy uh, preferences of Democrats, the Republicans will reach across the aisle and we'll have this great American, you know, togetherness somehow. And that's just has not been borne out whatsoever. Also on the question of electability, which I think is the other thing that people mm -hmm. frequently bring up with Joe, as you just said, this is his third time running for president. <laughs> he didn't get elected those other times. Also, we not have, even close, not even close. He was demolished. And look who's in the White House right now. Did anybody think he was electable? So I just think we have to think like, you know, there's always going to be these rationales people will put forward to uh, get Democratic voters to align behind a certain candidate. That's the same process of anointment that happens each cycle. And I think people just really need to take a close look at Joe Biden's record when he tries to uh, paint himself as the champion for working people. Well, Mick, I have to ask you about the electability question and viability question. Uh, it, it, voters voters are sometimes voters act like pundits uh, where they try to you know, figure out what they're, the, the, strategically what the best vote is. I've had so many conversations back in that mayor's race, uh, <laughs> in the first round in particular, like a lot of anti-daily voters were trying to tell me, well, I'm going to vote for this candidate because it's the best way to block daily. Like one vote's going to do it, you know, right. but they're like strategic. Trying to, I, I, I fall prey to that too. Uh, in your humble opinion, uh, who is the best candidate it, to uh, defeat Donald Trump as where we sit right now. Do you think Joe Biden, kind of like moderate uh, Amtrak Joe, I call him Grandpa Joe, but uh, everybody has a nickname, Uncle Joe. Whatever. Do you think that's the best way to go? I, you know, I like you to quote you from a little while ago. I'll punt on that a little bit. I'm not sure. I mean, there were there at least another uh, senator got in the race today. I think mm -hmm. or announced he was getting in the race. Right. Um, and there's just so many candidates. I honestly, even as someone who is you know covers. Uh, local politics follows national politics as closely as I can. I'm not even sure I understand or know the current list of everyone who's running. So cheat sheet, uh, you've got it right there. That's out of date. There's yeah, that already somebody. No, no, time out. 
uh, you see, I updated. Uh, so the, <laughs> the original cheat sheet is out of date, but as you can see, the little chicken scratch uh, there, that's yeah, me updating it. Is chicken it. scratch. Uh, uh, the point is, I, I'm not sure. I think it's still too soon to tell. It's like like in the mayor's race. There's so many candidates. Um, there'll probably be a couple who you know end up emerging. Um, I, I don't necessarily buy the argument, especially at this point in history, that um, the way to counter Donald Trump is with a centrist. Either I'm talking either my own preferences, which that would probably not be mm -hmm. the case, um, but also just in terms of strategy. Uh, I just feel like you know um, you you do need to get people out there. I mean, Hillary Clinton was uh, was touted as the centrist, as someone people knew who who was not a radical, who could walk in on day one and do the job. Many of the same things that are being said about Joe Biden, and uh, we saw the disaster that occurred. 2016. Well, I have to tell you this. I I, I riffed on this yesterday. Uh, yesterday we were airing, I don't know if we have it, I would play it for you because all my guests yesterday, uh, we played this uh, bit for them and then we, they would respond. Um, but there was a commercial that Joe Biden play, uh, had with uh, Barack Obama. Do we have that, D? All right. Uh, let's, well, you know what? Check this out. Let's play about, uh, get your responses. This is Joe Biden. He came up with this commercial. Ben Jarowski game show. Now. Yeah, the game show. I know. I'm so impressed with that board, Dr. D, behind the board. All right, play we'll that. We'll keep the game show thing going. Tell me if you recognize this familiar voice. <laughs> this is an extraordinary man with an extraordinary career in public service. Somebody who has devoted his entire professional life to service to this country. Revitalize American manufacturing as the head of our middle class task force. He fought to make college more affordable. <laughs> Get he ready. suited up for our cancer moonshot, giving hope to millions of Americans. The drum! <laughs> Joe's candidate council has made me a uh, I love that drum. He led our uh, <laughs> campaign against campus uh, sexual assault. Uh, he championed landmark legislation. All right, we have to play that one for Jim Johnson oh, and Ken Davis, it's hard man. To listen to. <laughs> I, I, it, okay, it's Barack Obama extolling the virtues of Joe Biden. And the joke I made yesterday was just hearing Barack Obama's voice. Uh, all the cynicism I had about Joe Biden was fading away, and I found my hand just moving toward <laughs> Obama. Obama <laughs> wants me to vote for Biden. I got to vote for Biden. You know, uh, it's like FDR himself came down and moved my hand. But. Um, so, uh, Mick Dumpke, do you still feel it? You know, you hear Barack Obama's voice. Do you do you think that does that motivate you? No, I just I actually hard found that hard to listen to. It's just, you know, it's just <laughs> I, I'm not ready for another another round of Drek. You okay. know, no matter what the source. That drum, that the beautiful drum coming also in. Those, <laughs> those swelling major chord arpeggios at the beginning oh, just bring you in. It's rough. I mean, doesn't that just? It just seems like we're you know we've undergone this real national trauma. I'd yeah. say under Donald Trump, and um, and it happened after the presidency of Obama, and so it just feels to me, and maybe it's my you know generation or what have you but I, you can't go back you know at this point we can't go back to that and trying to recapture what was there back in 2008 and 2012 it just doesn't ring the same way i, I, th I think if anything obama's uh, the radio ads for rom back in 2015 were more effective yeah. than these are it just be. seems so phony doesn't it yeah. it just doesn't yeah. there's something something dramatically has changed and i played this commercial 
yesterday, I think um, I had Monroe Anderson in the studio, uh, a studio, Atiba Buchanan, who's a millennial, and Jeanette Taylor, who's the newly elected alderwoman of the 20th Ward. It's incredible. And yeah, she, by the way, is a powerhouse. Uh, Jeff Johnson, get ready for Jeanette Taylor in the city council. She is a powerhouse. But I was like, okay, guys, is this move you? And Mick, I got to tell you, Miles, nobody was moved by it. Right. They all were like, are you kidding me? It didn't work. Now, again, these guests skewed left. Uh, oh, Monroe is more of a centrist. But nobody was moved uh, by Barack Obama's appeal. Nobody was saying, I'm going to vote for Papa Joe or uh, Uncle Joe or Grandpa Joe or whatever he is because of Obama. And um, it just uh, indicates, Mick, how far... We've moved from 2016 when so many Democrats were just like weepy-eyed, nostalgic about Obama leaving. The reality where the world is, is is so different than it was just, what is that, three years ago? I just think people want somebody new. They want new ideas. They want new energy. As Miles mentioned, so much of this is personality-driven. We, we, we know Joe. We, we've been hearing about Joe for 40 years. I just think people, more than 40 years, I guess, at this point, people want someone new. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I mean, the, I just listed some of the uh, you know greatest hits of uh, Joe's selling out of working people. There's that's just you know the tip of the iceberg in terms of where his stances have been on immigration. I mean, he started his political career in the '70s fighting integrated busing, you know, and right. uh, teaming up with Jesse Helms, one of the most racist people we've had in our government. So I mean, if people just start to dig a little bit, I think that they're going to see all kinds of things that make Joe seem so out of touch with our current electorate and just where the energy of the party. I mean, if you're going to try to elect a Democrat in 2020 at the national level, we're going to need part, you're activists across the country working to get out the vote, to register new people. I mean, there's all these draconian voting rights uh, restrictions uh, in place in the very places that Democrats will need to win. So I don't think that, you know, surfing by on the, um, you know, the Hillary Clinton 2.0 is going to do it for the, the Democrats, especially at a time when, you know, we, people are clamoring for ideas like Medicare for all, for the Green New Deal, for a jobs guarantee, for things that would fundamentally transform the way that um, people live their lives in this country for the better. You know, that's what is on the Democratic agenda, and that does not seem to be what Joe Biden is offering. I don't disagree with any of that. I, I actually, on the way over here, was uh, recollecting in my own life, um, way back when as a college undergraduate, uh, going to this event when Joe Biden and Edwin Meese were on a, a tour of college campuses, and it was sort of like, here's the Democrat and here's a Republican. And yeah. just to remind everybody, Edwin Meese, the Attorney General, uh, one of the attorney ge- attorneys general under Ronald Reagan, who eventually had to resign. Um, uh, it's hard to even keep track of all the scandals that were uh, surrounding the Reagan administration and Edwin Meese at that time. But bottom line is, a couple years later, this was a year or two after Joe Biden had to drop out of his first run for the mm-hmm. presidency, in part because he plagiarized uh, some of his stump speech. Mm-hmm. Um and Edwin Meese, who had resigned in disgrace. So here they were, and and they did this really. It was fun and interesting. You know, I'm I'm left of center, he's right of center kind of thing. But I I haven't forgotten about the fact they were at that time both uh, firm 
and passionate advocates for the drug war. And I remember Joe Biden talking about mm-hmm. he would he would never sign off on relaxing any of the drug laws because research showed that a rat would go, you know, hit this hit the the thing to get more and more ca- oh. cocaine over and over again. And so I just kept thinking about that again. This is criminal justice. We didn't even get into that. Just scratching the surface, but just it hasn't aged well. No, I got to tell you, just listening to you guys and thinking about where the Democrats were in 2012 on the charter schools we talked about, uh, drugs, lower drugs, reefer. Uh, The party has moved so far to the left, I guess, for lack of a better term, that it is going to be very difficult for Joe Biden uh, to try to... uh, uh, you know, deal with the contradictions, but yes, I, I know mean, he was did. fighting. He was fighting to eliminate parole. He was fighting for civil asset forfeiture. He was fighting for you know massive public funds to go into the jails that are now the reason for this mass incarceration crisis in the country. And just like you said about the reefer, I mean, we're, I think we're going to get legal weed in Illinois. It sounds very soon if this you know 300 page report they're going to put out is actually the real deal. That could happen so soon. So you're right. This is a pretty quick change. No, things have changed on that front. Mick Dumkey and I were writing articles in 2011. <laughs> Politicians wouldn't even go on the record with us. That's right. Maybe it was ask, hard to find them. Yeah. To far, can we not talk about this, uh, Ben? Ask me a different question. <laughs> anyway, uh, Miles Conflassen from In These Times, Mick Dumkey from ProPublica. Thank you very much. One more time, Mick. Uh, Tuesday, 6.30, hideout, 13.54, West Wabansi. I did that from memory. Better Very go good. quick because they're going to obliterate the neighborhood for Lincoln Yards. Uh, yeah, get the, come, come <laughs> while you can. Though. Exactly. Come <laughs> while you can. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We have uh, Jeff Johnson sitting by, and Ken Davis has showed up early. Man, everybody's coming early today. We'll be right back after this. Hey there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show.
Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. All right, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, May 2nd is moments away. But before we get into that, we would like to thank the following unions for bringing back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board with us. And of course, today's show is brought to you by our friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Thursday, May 2nd, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. this hour of the program it's the return of the union man jeff johnson and we welcome to our brand new studios around here we call him kenny d the one the only ken davis and now your host (laughs) and around here we just call him ben chicago reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Jeff Johnson is sitting here. Ken Davis is here. I love it when guests come early. And uh, Jeff uh, came with gifts. Swag, baby. Swag, baby. We're on. We have a camera now. So look good. Yeah, Yeah. wave at the camera, everybody. Uh, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Local 9. Local 9. One of our sponsors. God bless them. Man, I got kicked to the curb. And uh, Jeff Johnson was there to offer a handout. So always appreciate this young man. Uh, if we don't even if we don't see eye to eye at every single yeah, issue exactly. of the day, uh, all right. I'm going to hold quick, off. We, we got an update here, uh, by the way. Sorry, it's not really like important information, okay. but uh, bum, bum, bum. earlier in the program, uh, Ben was listing off the candidates, mm-hmm. the 2020 presidential uh, candidates thus far. Uh, we asked our good friend Frank. Well, he weighed in and said Ben left off two of them. Okay, and we had Ben list them, and then you know Frank weighed back the two you missed: uh, Beto O'Rourke. Uh, he's on my list. I he, read it. Read he was it. on your list? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Amy Klobuchar. Uh, she was on my list, too. I just Frank, what the it. hell, man? Come on, Frank. I got my cheat sheet right here, okay? Uh, but the one thing I think we're <laughs> overlooking here, are yeah. there are, on the federal election uh, site, 711 declared candidates for president. I'm stunned. 711. It's the only 24 that we're talking about. But wait, went, 711 in the Democrat or just total? So that means people who are running as independents, everything on, on yeah. the Ken Davis party, that kind of candidates thing? for uh, on the uh, federal elections uh, commission uh, site. 
711 total have filed, have I declared. All right. Well, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 711 is hard for me. We used to have uh, that, that game we play about mayoral candidates. Yeah. Uh, we'd be like, people come in the studio, all right, name them, and the yeah, clock would tick exactly. down. Uh, yeah. 711. Okay. 711. Even Ken Davis couldn't do all 711. But hey, be like Frank if you want to weigh in and on anything in the show. Benny J Show, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y-J Show on Twitter, Facebook, and we're on Instagram. Ben, he, Ben's the that's the one account that Ben's in charge of. How's that Instagram account <laughs> Instagram's going? Instagram's going okay. I spend yeah. most of my time watching Gary Owen videos. Oh, okay. Are you All a right. Gary <laughs> Owen fan? Yeah. I All love right. Gary At Owen. At Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Ben, spell that last name for him. J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Find us, like us, tell your friends. All right, very good. Thank you, Dr. D. Appreciate that. Jeff Johnson in the studio. Ken Davis ready to come on. We're going to hold off on the uh, one central development deal stuff until Ken Davis is here. We're also going to hold off on whether on Rom's legacy until Ken Davis. So, Ken, I'm telling you what we have to look forward to uh, with you. But uh, uh, it, uh, since the last time you were in the show, Jeff, uh, were you in the show post-election? I can't remember anymore. Uh, yes. Jeff, uh, uh, Mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot is um, uh, now our, uh, about, what, two weeks to go before she is sworn in and new council is sworn in as well. So what do you anticipate as sort of the significant changes? You spent a lot of time following the city council. Yeah. Do you think the city council is going to be more independent, more rambunctious, or do you think it's going to be settle in and follow the mayor like they generally do? Well, I think you have have different groups. You have your more senior people that have been around that kind of don't want to be out there and taking bullets on hard votes and stuff you have your middle of the road and then you have your new incoming group that i think they you know you tend to see you know uh, some of the freshman uh, elected officials over the out you know all around the country that are getting all this press mm-hmm. and you know they're getting the press and they're getting you know they're the for lack of a better word the fancy new uh, light that they oh look at that look at that and you know and in reality though they're still the freshman members and you know even while equal vote I think you're going to have some of the newer ones tend to be a little more outspoken coming in, and it has a potential to be a problem. But you know, it, if they can find the things that they agree on, the uh, key items, you know, hit the mutual agreements first. The arguments will come. We all know those are going to come pretty easy, pretty quick too. But you know, bring everybody together, and that's where I think the new incoming administration under uh, Miss Lightfoot can, you know, has her work cut out for them, but can find the mutual agreements first, and then the fights are going to come. You know, well, big fight will be over money. The big fight will yes. be over raising money, yeah. trying to figure out to pay obligations. So, just what do you anticipate uh, in terms of the the ideas that Life will have to raise money to pay for? Well, her one, I, yeah, she's gonna have a very short honeymoon. I think. Um, you know, <laughs> there, there was a lot of people yeah. that you know they didn't like uh, uh, Preckwinkle because she's gonna raise my taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the other one? Well, she's gonna raise revenue. Preckwinkle is going to raise taxes. Okay, hold on. You know, right? <laughs> um, and she's yeah. in for a very short honeymoon. When you figure sworn in May twentieth, start doing your first budget eh, August, and you're going to have to come up with anywhere from five to six hundred million dollars wow. next budget. And yeah, good luck. Wait, uh, how much did you say? Uh, five to six hundred. You got to figure that with. Uh, police and fire are going. Uh, police and fire pension funds are going to actual or deca- uh, determined contribution. So that's about two hundred and ninety-five million. There's a budget deficit of two hundred and fifty million, which, taken in the last twenty years, how we've dealt with that, whatever. You just 
sort of kicked that yeah, one down. Yeah, shell, hey, shell game, shell game. Yeah, yeah, look yeah, what okay, I found. Yeah, they yeah. found all this money over here. Um, <laughs> then you throw in fire. Uh, fire department's going to sign their union contract more mm-hmm. than likely pretty soon. Police department contract's coming up, as well as the teacher's contract. So you're very quickly north of five to $500 million very quickly, and you need new revenue for that. And so what do you anticipate? Uh, I think you're going to see, you know, the, the common approach is to find the cuts first. You know, hey, look, look you know, look, look what I cut here. Look what I found so that you can show the public that you cut things. And then you're going to see a raise of revenue somewhere. Um, you know, there's different options. You know, it, it, there's the played out options of marijuana, uh, sports book, uh, casino. All those things are going to take a couple of years to get online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the things that you need short term. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can go to property taxes, right? Uh, for six, uh, four to four to six years, uh, don't quote me. Uh, property taxes have gone up continually for police and fire. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, and this is one thing that I always get razzed about a friend who works at City Hall, because <laughs> city workers are one of the first ones yeah. to complain about their taxes going up. Yes, we have to live are. in the city, yeah. and, you know, right? So when property taxes go up, they have a heart attack about it. <laughs> and But yeah. then when you point out that, well, wait a minute, your taxes went up to pay for your pension. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's that's not the point. Yeah. It's just the fact their taxes went up, and you know. The, and then there's also a perception out there that there's a lot of waste at the city. Mm-hmm. So every city worker you talk to has ideas on how to cut waste. Yeah, I think you should probably tap into that too because there is some waste out there. But the waste that people find, you know, from the thirty thousand foot view of like from the outside looking in, is nothing instrumental. So you think she can uh, manage to get through, she being a mayor like Lightfoot, can manage to get through this next year without raising property taxes? <laughs> I'm going I'm to punt. Uh, like Everybody's you did punting today. Uh, punt. Uh, uh, just for the record, I merely punted on a prediction. Okay. Uh, well, of course, that's what you're punting on, yeah. too. I don't well, know how she can avoid raising property taxes. Yeah, I, th- I personally think that it has to be a hodgepodge. And so if you do include property taxes, it has to be something very very small and coupled in with sales tax, coupled in with any other fee increase or finding some other like possible revenue that you can tap into. So raise the sales tax as a possibility. Now, we had a um, uprising in Cook County when Tony Preckwinkle and probably cost her a lot of votes in the mayor's race, raised the soda pop tax. Well, that's just, I mean, that the way that was sold was different. I think if you have the approach... That listen, um, and I've heard this at some of the talks. Uh, you might not want to hear this, but we need to raise revenue, and we're going to raise revenue and put it towards pensions. Yeah, there's no doubt about this. The legacy costs. Uh, you live in a city that has the best police department. You know, for everything going on, they have the best fire department. Your city services are the best in the country, mm-hmm. and it costs money to pay. And for a while, we didn't pay that. And so the legacy costs are still there, no matter what. And if you called 911 or if you ran the water, you got service. It was there. And those hard conversations need to happen. And I think it's a matter of if you're honest with the citizens, it'll be a lot better than, well, we're doing this for health. Yeah. And so there's a, I think there's an avenue there to increase revenue and go that route. Honest with the citizens. That would be unique for a mayor in the city of Chicago. Honest with the citizens. All right. You talk about raising taxes uh, as opposed to raising revenue. Explain that. There's a distinction. It sounds like. Uh, like a clever little uh, words ga- word game there, but it is the- it is, but it isn't right. You, you know, it wasn't something that was uh, trying to pull the wool over. It was just different wording. 
right? And, you know, uh, Miss Breckwinkle got labeled as a tax and spend. And it was the sugar tax that killed her. And a lot of it was, I think, how they rolled that out, right? In hindsight, of course, we'd all be perfect. But the way it was rolled out and the way it was sold as. And, you know, we need to raise revenue. Revenue just sounds better than taxes, right? You know, those certain words we could say that, you know, it just sounds better, you know? <laughs> everybody knows what a tax is. I'm yeah, not exactly. sure everybody knows what revenue, revenue is. is. <laughs> and, yeah, so I think that there was, like, it was the campaign and the way it was kind of sold. And it stuck. I had people telling me, Tony's going to raise my taxes. And I've heard this. Tony's going to raise my taxes, but she's going to raise revenue. So I'm going to go with her. Yeah. Well, what I heard, I may have told you this before. Uh, I live in the 47th Ward on the north side of the Chicago. Fighting 47. The, it used to be the Fighting 47. I haven't been fighting until Ed Kelly days. But anyway, uh, I'm in the 47th Ward. In 2015, a precinct captain, a couple of precinct captains came to my door on behalf of Rahm Emanuel. They picked the wrong door to come to. Anyway. Uh, come on in, yeah, sir. <laughs> didn't work out well, why, why, why is he locking the doors? Yeah, no, it ended up with me telling him if they didn't get off the uh, porch, I was going to call the police. It was a downhill. It was not a great moment of communication for either me or or Rahm's precinct captains. But the key point that got us going was the pitch they were making <laughs> was that, um, uh, it was not one of my finest moments, Ken Davis. Anyway, w the pitch they made uh, to try to win me over, follow me on this one, is that Rahm, uh, excuse me, Chewy Garcia, Jesus Garcia was running against Rahm, was going to raise my property taxes and give it to the unions. That's what Rahm's people were telling me in 2015, which point I I said, which unions? Yeah. Okay, because he'd already cut the deal Rom had with the police and the firefighters mm -hmm. to buy labor peace on that front. Uh, so it was clear to me that they were trying to play into prejudice I might have against certain unions. Um, so do you think we've advanced as a civilization from that moment uh, in 2015 where you can get voters fired up uh, against a property tax hike uh, on the notion that it would go to uh, selfish union people? Yeah, well, I think, well, the general public knows pensions are a problem uh, or thinks pensions are a problem just because of what they, you know, they see on a continual basis. And I think it's starting to get to the point where they're tuning it out. Pensions, you know, pensions, pensions, pensions. And that's what, you know, oddly enough, though, during the last campaign, it wasn't talked about much, but it's still. In the, mean, in the, the in last the mayoral, mayoral campaign. campaign yeah. Yeah. And so I think that there is, you know, there is some latitude there where you can find, hey, you know, like I said, being honest with it. And uh, another thing, too, is if you come in and open the books for City Hall. There you go. This this is what the numbers are, right? Mm -hmm. uh, TIFFs over here, general income over here, or general revenue here, water, sewer, you know, all these other things. And say, listen, this is the money in, this is the money out, this is where the money's going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reality of it is there isn't much to play with all in all. So when you, you know, if you're more transparent and you can, there's ways to open it for the public, mm -hmm. I think that you can win it over. And it's going to take a campaign. And, you know, the political side of it, she's in her first term, first year. And there's some people to say that, well, does she have the capital to do it? Or now it's the best time to do it because then you got you know another three years left before uh, re-election. Well, one of the realities is that back 2011 or 12 when Rom came into office, uh, he was uh, playing with the notion uh, that he could force cuts on pensioners. Uh, and yeah. he lost the lawsuit. There was a lawsuit uh, that went all the way to the state Supreme Court, I want to say, Jeff. My, my name was on that lawsuit, too. Is that right? I either knew that and forgot it or did, never knew that at all. Because you were the pl name plaintiff. Well, so I was one of them, man. Yeah. Oh, man, trouble me. Hey, if your taxes go up, Jeff Johnson's his name. <laughs> uh, but he I lost that lawsuit. Yes. And it seems as though that 
the powers that be in this town learned a lesson. Am I uh, right in my... Yes. That they're not going that route. They're not going to go... Yeah, it seems to be that the general consensus is, you know, pensions are promised. They're protected by the uh, Illinois state uh, uh, constitution. Um, there's been some minor notions about trying to maybe get around that some way through Cullerton's uh, consideration plan or uh, constitutional amendment, uh, things like that. But none of them are getting traction right now. And But the, the consensus is, you know, once you're, once you're hired with the benefits that you have, those are the benefits. If you change them going forward like they've done, we're already on tier three now for mm-hmm. Chicago pensions. Um, if you change them and you, when you're hired as a young kid, hey, this is your deal. Yeah, whatever, okay, I'll, I want the job. Yeah. Okay, all right. So that's where it seems to be, you know, a general opinion that, yeah, they're protected. Well, uh, it's interesting that you talk about opening up the Constitution. Uh, we, yes. we the, the thing I punted on earlier today was a prediction on whether uh, the Democrats, whether Pritzker would get enough votes from the House uh, to get his fair tax, his progressive tax uh, on the what was it, 2020 uh, ballot. Mm-hmm. That's when yeah. I think it's 2020. Yeah, 2020 ballot. I'm not quite sure that he'll get the votes. But the interesting thing here before I ask you for your prediction on that is that Bill Brady who is a Republican, I believe was the same Bill Brady who ran for governor a couple yes. years ago, a few yeah. years back, uh, was saying, follow me on this one, Jeff Johnson, you'll appreciate this, that the framers, suddenly the people who wrote the Illinois State Constitution <laughs> framers. <and> were framers. <laughs> I, I didn't think you could be a framer if I was alive to see something happen. I thought it happened. I thought framers were only people from like the 18th century. But anyway, the framers, in all their infinite wisdom, I'm not making this up, a Republican said this, said that we had a flat tax flat tax to protect the taxpayers. The framers were also the same people who put the, the guarantee in the Constitution that, yeah. protecting pensions. 1970, yeah. they, they had the uh, foresight to see that you know we need to protect people from the politicians that run the state or you know, run government, and so their benefits are guaranteed, therefore forcing them to put revenue into the pension fund. That's correct. Which, so yeah, it's amazing that he's using that statement again. <laughs> oh yeah, if the framers want to protect people. Okay. I love that. He's got yeah. a framers. Yeah. Uh, but they were, of course, trying to throw the framers under the bus when they <laughs> went after the pensions. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I just had to point that little irony out here. Uh, and the Republicans are uh, very much battling the um, the progressive tax hike. Uh, Jeff, they do not want any tax hikes. They particularly want to protect the uh, wallets of mm-hmm. the donors to the Republican Party, oh, the wealthiest exactly. people in the yeah. state. Uh, so what's your thoughts about this? You've been following this. Yeah, uh, I think that there's, you know, you already see the campaign out there for the fair tax. And, you know, these commercials, they're cute. They're very, uh, you know, a lot of graphics and numbers. And, you know, and, you know, that basically what's it? 97 percent aren't going to see any change and X amount of percent are going to see pr- uh, tax cuts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nice music playing in the background. So I think it's a very, you know, like they're off to a good start campaigning for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not seeing too much really on the mainstream media trying against it. And I think that all, ultimately, I think it will pass. You uh, think he can get 71 yes. votes? Yes. You think Madigan will find those votes? Yes, that is correct. I think that this is something that of the major issues going on, like, okay, you know, and it's, you know, the, you know, dealing with politics, you know, it's a horse trading all in all. Okay, what are the things you want? What's the number one ask you have? And so, you know, all right, I can't give you this, I can't give you that, but 
All right, we'll work on this. That's your number one ask? Okay, but we can punt on the other four? Okay. Yeah. I think that uh, JB really wants this, and this is his number one ask, and this is like, you know, when it came down to it, he doubled down on the chips for this one, and there's going to be a push for it. Well, one of the things that will be an ask, I know exactly what you're saying, because what they do in, in Springfield is they put many different items on a bill so that everybody gets a little bit of something, and so when the state rep says, yeah, I voted for... Uh, Bill X, but that's because you got this, that, and the other thing. Okay, so when he's selling it to his constituents, it's about the local thing. The little thing. Yeah. I guarantee you that this. I, I'm going to bring all my worlds together. One central, which is this mega project in the mm-hmm. South Loop, uh, which is going to be funded. They want to fund it with state money. That will be part of the equation when they come to. Because uh, right now you've got the Tribune's editorial board on board with it. They want it. And it's not a, a tax hike, okay? It's an investment. It's right? new revenue. It's, it's new <laughs> revenue. So it's interesting. You'll have the same forces who are going to be battling uh, against a uh, tax hike on the wealthiest people to pay our pension obligations and to pay for bridges, roads, etc. will be backing the one central. Uh, expenditure of 3.8 billion. So my guess is that will be all part of the mix. What do you think? Eh, you know th- those larger bills. I'm not a fan of. I'll be extremely honest. When you like, we've there was a bill passed where we there was a, some pension changes, and it was and I'm not exaggerating. It was on page 600 of this bill, <laughs> and it just it angered me because I, when I had to go and try and find the language, I had to scroll to page 600 because yeah, just whatever that's. Um, so I'm not just a fan of it because of that. There are things that get snuck in there, and if you're a special interest or if you're like a, you know pension special interest union member or city worker. Um, yeah, if you're not paying attention, sometimes things get slid in there, and then you know you have bad consequences. I mean, ultimately though, sometimes the flip side of it is that hey, everybody can win if we all agree, we all you know chip in, and you get this, I get that, you know. But it's a matter of the people that get hurt are always the ones that stand out there with their hands out, going, "What happened?" And when and when it comes to a vote, when it comes, uh, so just so people know this, uh, you the, the 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 legislators are only putting it on the ballot. The people of the state of Illinois have to approve three fifths vote, three fifths vote, so sixty percent of the vote. Do you think now they're up against uh, quite a bit of opposition? Uh, the the business community has already started this. They've mm-hmm. they've got their uh, dark fund that's funding campaign commercials. Do you think you can get a sixty percent vote in the twenty twenty election with Donald Trump's name on the ballot? So I, I see it from the uh, the opposite side, right? Of like the con con, where like in New York City they had a recent uh, vote. Eighty three percent of people voted not not to mm-hmm. open this, uh, the constitution. So in the House, the Senate, the governor, they all three sign off on it, pass it. That's I'll say that's the easy push. The public battle trying to get three-fifths vote, that is a hard put. Uh, just tr- trying to get 60% of the public to agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that you're going to have a lot more people coming out because of the Trump election. So it may skew. I mean, d- it depends how he flames out uh, in the next couple uh, months going towards that. Uh, twenty or next couple of months. What year are we in now? In 2019? Yeah, it's right uh, around the corner. Uh, Jesus. Uh, Iowa's just down yeah, the road. Yeah, uh, So... Uh, you can energize your base to come out, and I think that if they keep up the positive campaign on it versus the the dark money uh, knocks, I think that there's a path. There's a path to do it. It's going to be harder than the original House, uh, House Senate governor part of it, though. 
All right. Now, I just said Iowa's down the road. Before we uh, take a break and bring Ken Davis on, I have to ask you something. Yes. Uh, you're the first union person in the studio after this has Ooh. happened, and so you're getting the question. Uh, the firefighters, the, inter- uh, the International Firefighters Union or the, the National Firefighters Union, they endorsed Joe Biden. I All think right. it was a local, though, or a state a local? local or something. I don't think it was the international. National? I think it was the international. Yeah. Look it up, though. Look it yeah, up. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was the international. Whatever. Anyway. Okay, yeah. So, uh, fire, uh, they endorsed Joe Biden, out. and immediately Donald Trump lost his mind uh, and started uh, tweeting out uh, that the, the, the rank and files with him. Yeah, oh, the uh, union yeah, president. Yeah, 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 union president. That's right, yeah. Uh, and uh, so what's your thoughts about that? You know, Donald Trump claiming that he has the hearts and souls of the members, uh, even if the leaders of the unions. Uh, are against him. And oh, by the way, it was the International Association of Firefighters. Oh, was it? Okay. All right. There you go. Every now and then I'm right. Uh, hey, <laughs> I could be wrong for the first time, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this is the guy I turn to. <laughs> oh, hey, Johnson, what's, what's that deal again? Um, I think unions are going to be extremely gun shy um, with uh, this because of the Hillary Clinton issue uh, when they came out and Hillary just wasn't a popular candidate the way she uh, sold uh, came the campaign came across so I think they're going to be extremely gun shy just looking at how Chicago played out where most of the unions kind of stayed on the sidelines like all right let's run it go to a runoff you know let the 14 candidates kind of weed themselves out with what's it 22 24 uh, notables. I my number I don't know Frank says I'm wrong but I had 20 but whatever I think it's up to 22 now okay. notables and 700 711 declared candidates. <laughs> um, uh, Ken Davis is studying that list. Yeah. He's going to recite it when he comes I, on. I heard he's one of the candidates. I think yeah, Ben Jarosky's one of the candidates too. He's, yeah. His name's on there. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's the you you have your. And this is what I mean. The, the you have your old school politicians mm-hmm. versus your young ones. Yeah, and it's a matter of which way does the party start twisting and turning. And it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple of months how that plays out. Yeah, I. Uh uh, the the unions are really going to have to try to figure this one out because. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you're, you're rank and file. What's their attitude yes, about Joe Biden? Uh, Uncle Joe, right? That, that's yeah. the one I like. Grandpa, okay, Grandpa I'll call Joe, him Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe, Grandpa Joe, um, whatever. A, a, affable guy, just very nice. But like policy wise, not too many people know about like the stuff like uh, uh, Miles before some of the stuff he was saying. I was like, sitting there taking notes, like, well, wait, hold on, wait, what? Yeah. Um, but not to say though, like he was bringing up stuff from like you know seventies, eighties. Yeah. You know, pol- uh, policy changes, right? The thing, times evolve, and not to say that you know you took a vote then doesn't mean that your policy can't change now. And so I'm not gonna like. You know, hold a gun to a guy's head because he voted 50 years ago against something. You know, whatever. You know, and like you said, it's not looking good now. Some of the stuff, it's not holding up well. But if he comes out as a, you know, Mia Coppola, hey, I messed up. That was the. That's what the people wanted then. I've evolved. I'm progressive. <laughs> he could come out and say that, and then I've you got people evolved. going, "Oh my God, yeah." <laughs> so I, it's really hard yeah. to see right now. And like you know, they're not even in the like you know the campaign points. It's yeah. just a matter of out there shaking hands and kissing babies part of the campaign. So I got to tell you, man. I am fired up for this. I may be the only guy that was really looking forward to it. There's 20 of them. It's just <laughs> every day. Michael Bennett is announced. He's the senator from uh, Colorado. Uh, Colorado. I had to explain to people, no, it's not the football player, Michael Bennett. It's <laughs> Senator Michael Bennett. Uh, but uh, anyway, all right, Jeff Johnson's my guest. We're going to keep him around, lock the door, keep him from leaving, and we're going to bring on the great, the marginal, the immortal, the legendary Ken Davis when we return. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. 
man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live from the Sun-Times. Jeff Johnson in the studio with me. We, he's sticking around. We locked the door, wouldn't let him out. Ken Davis oh, has yeah. joined us. Hey! And, um, uh, and I know, Dennis, you have an update you want to deliver, so why don't you deliver that update? Okay, great. This, mess- this comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, and the writer would be, let me see, Fran Spielman and Dave Roeder. Oh, uh, Dave Roeder, my Roder's old friend. Back. Dave Roeder's back. He was the guy who came in the studio. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cool dude. Mm-hmm. What's up, David? You Dave. listening? You listening right now, David? No? <laughs> no he's hard at work oh, typing yeah. the story. Yeah. All right. All right. So it's, a, it's an update here on the one central development deal. Ben was riffing about it earlier. We had to go, okay, stop talking about it, please. We have other things to talk about. <laughs> Typical Ben Jarofsky thing. All right. Uh, it says here, Mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot had a message Thursday for a Wisconsin developer pressing for quick legislative action to pave the way for construction of one central, a massive development over railroad tracks west of Soldier Field. That message from Lightfoot, not so fast. Here's the quote from Lightfoot. Quote, I've been very clear that I think any development of a certain scale, and this would certainly qualify, has to be done through uh, through a thoughtful process that engages the communities that are going to be most impacted. We're not going to ram through anything. I understand that they're talking about a very fast-track timeline. I know there's been discussions about this project for some time, but there's a new administration that's going to be stood up in a matter of days. And we're going to approach these mega projects in a very different way. I've been very clear about that. All right. A thoughtful process. Uh, thoughtful and process are not words that I would normally uh, link with Chicago development deals, which usually get uh, greased through. Who has said greased through Ken Davis for 10 trivia points? This is before Jeff Johnson's time. You remember who talked about greasing a deal? Gene Sawyer. No, Jane Byrne. Oh, Jane Byrne. Remember? <laughs> That's uh, close. Yeah. What was the deal that she was talking about? God, my memory has slipped. It was a gre- greasing of a deal. Greasing of a deal. Jane yeah. Byrne, when she was uh, the head of the Consumer Affairs, and Michael Balanik was the mayor, and she's uh, she was fired, and she ran against them, and they greased the deal. I forget what the, but that was the first time I ever heard of a greasing of a deal. Yeah, I was very young. Hey, listen, I'm, this is the first time I've been in, in your studio here. I'm just kind of a little bit weirded out by all the Uncle Joe posters on the wall. <laughs> you too? <laughs> you too? Yeah, I didn't realize that you were so in the tank. Oh, my God. I love right. Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, so this is the first time you've been here. Nice little studio. It's that, beautiful it's space. Beautiful little beautiful space, space. Uh, here in the Sun-Times, just 
down the hall from the bathrooms. Uh, but in the fashionable uh, near West Side. On the yeah no uh, Joe Biden I. Um, I have to admit uh, that for all the policy differences I may have with Joe Biden, you really like him. I, you know, I've always liked <laughs> Joe Biden. I hate to say it, they're going to kick me out of a million lefty clubs. Oh my God! Always liked yeah. uh, in the eighties. Is it the anti-busing stuff that you? No, I mean, oh, I oh he's tough on me, that young Ken Davis. Uh, Joe Biden. I had a, a dear friend of mine, uh, AJ. I uh, hope he's listening. Uh, in the eighties, we would do Joe Biden imitations. <laughs> <laughs> this is what a key guy was. We would listen to the judiciary committees and the way he would address people. And he, ah, you know, senator, and the way he would talk, judge. And he had this way about him. I remember the Clarence Thomas hearing. He did a bunch of hearings because he was the head of the judiciary committee. It was when you dressed up as Joe Biden. That, that, would, that just went too far. <laughs> so, you know, we would do Joe Biden imitations. And then, you know. Uh, anyway, so, Joe, I just love that Joe Biden's running for president again uh, a third yeah, time. Yeah. Do you feel, do you feel the, the, the tug, the burn for Joe? No. No. No, it's riding I, with Biden. I, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, I, um, I, as someone of a almost similar age, I feel the real pressure to just sort of step aside at a certain point and let the rest of the world take over and stop trying to inject yourself into this and say, you know, it wasn't like this in 1957. <laughs> it's time, you know. It's time for a new generation to yes, take over. All right, the uh, Jeff uh, Johnson generation. All right, now before I. Uh, Go back to, I promised that we were going to talk about One Central because I know that's a development deal near and dear to your heart because it has to do with transportation and you're a big fan of public transportation. Uh, and before I talk about Rom's legacy, which I uh, I know you two will probably think I'm way too hard on Rom, so I'd love you? to hear your thought, no. yeah, uh, thoughts on that. I just have this weird feeling I've been brought here to be set up. I yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you have been set up. Yeah. Uh, Lock the door. Lock the door. Uh, just explain to folks your uh, the status of your show because I thought your show had ended and it turns out it's still going on. So explain to folks that. I don't know. Maybe you had some of that experience too, right? With people saying, "Are you still on?" The, you yeah, still no, on the, I was yeah, abruptly, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yanked yeah. out, and thrown in the streets. I walk in. And I was his last guest too. Yes, oh, really, he was the last guest. Yes, yeah. he I was. I walk in. And there's a can TV pen sitting on the table here. Huh? That's kind of. I don't know that you may. Have left We've that been the doing the show for um, yeah, about nine and a half years. Done about 450 shows, which you know because you were on show number one back in 2009 or whatever that was. And, um, you know, as you probably remember, about two or three days after that first show, Rich Daly held his press conference and said, you know, I decided that it's time, like I just said, it's time for me to move on. 2010 right? it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. 2010, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so the show has been a kind of a bookend of Rahm Emanuel. We've just been, we have followed Rahm Emanuel, everything he's done for the last eight years. And wow. we're going to hang it up on the last, well, 10 days after Lori Lightfoot um, leaves office. So, and I don't know if May. I should say this publicly, but we have at least a tentative agreement that she's going to be our last guest on oh, the show. Oh, you so, cut nice. a deal with Lori. Yeah, Good job. Yeah. yeah. Wow, well, congratulations. you know, these things have a way of changing. But cut a deal. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah, cut a deal, baby. I'm always cutting deals to get people on this show. Have I mentioned what a great mayor I think Mary was? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you might want to mention it again. Stump for Gloria. So, all right, that's great. That's a perfect transition. We'll hold off on one central and go right to Mayor Rahm's legacy. So your show has been on. 
uh, for eight years then. And uh, yes, it's the ROM era. Nine, but who's counting? Yeah, yeah, who's counting? Correct. I was not that good at math. I have <laughs> high school. Don't call me Dad. This. Um, so, ROM's legacy, in your humble opinion, um, what what kind of mayor would you uh, do you view ROM as? Oh, so we have to get serious now. Yes. Right? Yeah. Or you could tell a joke. Well. <laughs> On many occasions, you and I have gotten into little tangles about this, and I guess what I would say is that as we look back on those eight years, uh-huh. <laughs> I would say yeah. this is what I think it is. I think that he's ended up being a transitional mayor. I think that history will show him not like Belandic, but in that same kind of Role as a mayor who followed this, you know, this sort of whatever you want to call it, this dynasty. And depending on how Lori Lightfoot does work out, if Lori Lightfoot ends up being a 12 year mayor who is beloved when she leaves office, then Rahm Emanuel will be seen as that guy who was in between, mm-hmm. who kind of like kept things going and, you know, kind of it was placeholder kind yeah. of mayor. Now, that's not to say that it was necessarily bad. And what I think of him, I think of him as being more like a, a really good city manager. Okay, think of like Evanston or a, a place that has a mayor and then has a city manager uh-huh. who actually runs the city. Yeah, you could have mayor, you could have Rahm Emanuel in there as your your city manager, <laughs> and then you could have a mayor yeah. who sets policy and tells him what to do because uh-huh. that was what he wasn't so good at. Yeah, I, wait, I, what wasn't he so good at? At at actually like listening to the people and setting policy that the people feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Here's a really good example of that, okay? Rahm Emanuel comes into office and he sees, rightly so, that for years and years and years the water infrastructure has just been completely ignored. Mm-hmm. We got thousands of water mains that are leaking everywhere. So he says, I'm going to double the water bill, the water fee, mm-hmm. so that I can lay 300 or whatever it is miles of new water mains. Mm-hmm. They start doing this, and before long you find out that, oh, you know, when you connect these lead water service lines to these new water mains, <laughs> you, put, yeah. you send lead into people's yeah, houses. Yeah. It's not a good thing. Yeah. That's where a mayor would have said to Rom, the city manager, "Hold off, hold on, stop everything. You know, we're gonna we're gonna reevaluate this, and we're gonna see it, you know how much would it cost to put the service lines in, and maybe we're gonna lay fewer." Rom didn't do that. Rom just says, "No, my my mission is to lay as many miles of water line as I can," and he did, and he got himself into all kinds of trouble. I could give you a well, dozen examples. Well, let's just pause like and go back to that example because I, Mick Dumpkin, I was here in the show earlier, and I wrote about this uh, when he raised the the, the water fees. Um, a good mayor, in my humble opinion, would have studied the issue before just embarking on a huge project. Right. Right. In other words. Well, what are the consequences of doing X, Y, Z? What are the costs of doing X, Y, Z? Do uh, the benefits outweigh the risks, et cetera, et cetera? I would, you know, like what Lori said about uh, One Central, whether she follows it or not, yeah, let's view it a little right, bit. Right. But Mayor Rahm, when he came into office, his big thing was, I'm getting things done. Mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Energy. I'm going to, and just roll over people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it was ever in his DNA. To well, do I, can, I can give you another briefer example. Rahm Emanuel will be the mayor who completely rebuilt the Dan Ryan Red Line. A great accomplishment. You, a I terrific did. accomplishment. Right? Wait, hold on. No, hold but on. you said this the last time yeah, I had a radio but, show. <laughs> but 
<laughs> in order to do it as yeah. efficiently and cheaply as possible, he shut it down for, you know, whatever it was, four or five months, yeah. right? Really inconveniencing a lot of people. Now, another another way of doing that might have been to have slowed the project down. It would have been more expensive, but it would have been more popular. These are the kinds of things that he never took into consideration, right? He, he, was, never, he was never the guy who thought about what the implications were for the population that he was serving. That's yeah. why I say it was a great city manager. He just wasn't that great a mayor I, as, I, in I, the political sense. Yeah. So in other words, what you're saying is that Rahm will forever be, his strength will ever be as the chief of staff type. Yeah, chief of staff. Chief yeah. of ta- staff yeah. type, yeah. which is what Barack Obama which he was. Uh, he was chief of staff. And the other thing, too, was he, he, he was never the warm and fuzzy politician right you know he you know it, it that's where you know sometimes people want the warm and fuzzy and make them feel good and you know and he's more like you said the get it done person you know not i don't care if i'm liked or not but you know it's you know just get it done and i see that's the big difference too with what you're talking about and and you know we've we've talked about this before that that rich daly had that little piece of dna he had that extra little dna node somewhere in him that when it came time to be empathetic in public he could get red-faced and tear up and talk about how this was an outrage he was a Bridgeport guy. Yeah, yeah. I know. Rom, Rom, Rom did that, but he did it off camera, and it wasn't the same thing. Well, when you talk about beloved mayors, uh, he's not leaving as a beloved mayor. I can't recall. I don't think uh, Rich Daly, he was much more beloved in the 90s mm-hmm. and maybe the early old After right. 03, I don't think he was oh, beloved no, that no. much. We haven't really had a beloved mayor in the city of Chicago. There's something about being mayor of the city of Chicago <laughs> that turns you into unbeloved. Well, you know, it's, really, it's an interesting thing to think about what would have happened to Harold if he, had, if he had been able to fill out that second term, right? I think he might have been that. A beloved mayor? Yeah. Well, well, yeah. But maybe not in the black community. He might have been beloved in the white community. Well, I do know this about uh, Harold Washington. I say this to many city workers, uh, Jeff Johnson, and this is way before your time because Jeff's uh, young. He's a millennial type. but um, (laughs) Generation X. Generation X. Okay, kind of. You're borderline. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is... Uh, that Harold Washington was a great friend to city workers uh, and a great friend to police and firefighters. And I would tell them that at the time. We'd have these arguments because they were voting for the other guy. I go, mm. this is your best friend. This guy believes in public employees and paying their pensions mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I think some of them have actually been honest with me, the old timers that still know me. They go, you know what? The best mayor we ever had was, I don't know if you ever hear that, Jeff. I've, I've heard between him and uh, Eugene Sawyer. Mm. Isn't that funny? None mm-hmm. of them ever Voted for him, but yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> him and best mayor, best mayor for city workers, yeah. ever for city workers. And so, um, I don't know if that necessarily means he's the best mayor for everybody, but uh, I like to make that point out. All right, now, speaking of warm and fuzzy, uh, Fran Spielman of the Chicago Sun Times wrote an article a couple days ago, uh, a for making hard decisions. Uh, the article, yeah. it was a that Mayor Rahm's weakness mm-hmm. was that he didn't listen mm-hmm. and uh, that he was intolerant of opinions different mm-hmm. than his own and he just rolled over people. Yeah. Uh, and um, I just want your thoughts on on friends. Do you agree with her assessment, uh, young Kenneth? 
Or oh, Jeff, no. go first. Uh, I kind of do. Uh, just having dealt with the administration, and it's there was a noticeable shift. I say right around the Chewy election, but uh, his staff team uh, says uh, year three. There was a shift in there how they were uh, how they dealt with uh, things, and it went from dropping a paper on the table. All right, we're doing this to more of a collaboration and saying, all right, what about this? What do you think? And you know, uh, so that was the final four years, and you know, he like you said. He he came in aggressive. He came in with that uh, with the DC style of how to run a you know office, right or wrong. Yeah, who knows? But it was just different than how it had been. So uh, her article was you know it was pretty good, you know pretty in depth and uh, broke it down. So I can't say it's necessarily wrong. I'd never, I will never forget the image of Rahm Emanuel in his first week with the easel. Remember that? The, the he had, had like one of those whiteboards, yeah. and he would. Cross the yeah, off. yeah. Yes, this has been done. <laughs> oh, the first hundred days in yeah. office thing. Yeah. And I remember sitting watching this on TV and saying, "Oh, Ram, no, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Where are your Where are your image people? Where are your Where are your message handlers? Yeah. This is wrong. What we want is somebody who can solve problems, not somebody who can just like get things pushed to the side. And these things are not easy. It doesn't. You can't check it off. You know." I don't know. That was always my image that that he was in such a hurry to to just get everything done at once that um, he just he just pushed people to the side. It was it was. Well, don't you think Chicagoans like that? I'm, they no. like a bossy mayor. No? Yeah, they like. Well, see, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we? About Chicago, you know, ready on day one, right? Yeah, that, that's oh God, the, that's our favorite. Sold that to the that's, our, that's our favorite phrase. Yeah. Who's ready? On Who's day ready one? on day? As if anybody would as, ever yeah. remotely be re- as ready. As you for have something. often said, you <laughs> yeah. know, was yeah, right. Was Rich Daly ready yeah, on no. day one? No, nobody is. Yeah. Um, yeah, people want that, but they also. Chicago's a weird place. We, sure you is. know, we grew up. Anybody who's still alive, I mean, I guess nobody would be alive who wasn't around when Richard, few, when Richard J. Daly was mayor. But there's just there's something about that. What it is is the need for this father figure, this this bigger and wiser than you figure, <laughs> right? You don't yeah. have to like him, but you have to. Well, maybe it's Sopranos. You don't have to like me, but you got to respect Sorry. me, right? Yeah. That's, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, Tony but, Soprano for mayor. Yeah, but it seems like with him going out of office, there's going to be just... What I don't like is people that didn't pile on before are now piling on them. And it's the whole, mm-hmm. when you're out, you're out. Yeah. And that bothers me. It's like, yeah, all right, yeah, if you yeah. were if you weren't saying anything the last eight years, <laughs> right. shut up. Don't yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. get a voice. And so everybody's piling on them, and they're losing. He he did some good things, right? Yeah, yeah. he did some good things, and everybody's focusing on the negatives. Yeah, and that's where things are going to get lost here on that. Well, I don't want to. I, I I'm feeling like <laughs> I'm like I'm being bullied into a, a into a different position. We have argued about this in the past, and I and I should not change my position here Go today. Ahead. My position is that Rahm Emanuel be, will be remembered as a good mayor. I, he will be remembered as a guy who got a lot of important things done, and. I, you know, I will be the last person saying this. I know. I already probably am. I'm sorry, man. I but, can't help but cry. Nobody's going to remember that. I can well, guarantee you that. Nobody's going to. You know, he, 
he wait. So for every like, he's one of those that mayors or the politicians yeah. that for everything he did. There was a good and bad to the one thing he did. Yeah. Pensions. Yeah. Well, he went to, uh, he put pensions on a path to solvency, mm-hmm. but he waited four years. Thank right? you, sir. You know, and, so and he punted. And the, exactly. the last part, it's the path, but yeah. the next path. Is- and so there's so many of the decisions that were, it was like, oh, there's a good thing, but there's also the bad side. It's to like it. tips. There's a but four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, here's the deal. Uh, I'll say this about uh, my beloved Mayor Rahm as he heads out the door. Um, I don't think that Mayor Rahm uh, was ever really appreciated and liked in this city. Uh, He was always viewed as an outsider. He was victorious to a large degree because, I think you'll all agree on this, uh, he came to town ushered in by Barack Obama. Absolutely. You talk about a different day and age, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, playing the Barack Obama commercial. You, I have not played it for you guys yet because you couldn't hear it when we had headphones on, but, uh, you know, without the headphones on. But you hear Barack Obama's voice, yeah. and it doesn't sound today the way it sounded yeah, two yeah. years ago and things have changed so when rom got ushered in it was barack obama's guy nobody nobody really knew anything about him you know mm-hmm. well he, he swore a lot you know <laughs> like, people kind of like that yeah. you know that's a tough guy yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like hey wait he's doing this yeah, that yeah, nobody yeah. asked yeah. us on any of this stuff i never asked you this question what was the day when you first realized that oh my god it's all wired he's going to be the next mayor when did you actually begin to realize that when, when rom was going to yeah, be the next yeah. mayor i just cynical me figured the moment he announced when he ush got that right if you guys recall uh and jeff you were around in 2000 yeah. uh yeah. you're not that young um <laughs> uh when when barack obama they wanted him out of the white house okay mm-hmm. and uh michelle had, <laughs> had enough Poor of rom and uh so uh, all of a sudden mayor daly announces he's not running yeah and the next thing you know rob's leaving the white house remember there was this like ceremony yeah and when yeah. barack obama ushered him out and it was like they had all the people from the the cabinets there like pretending they liked them and nobody liked them all the tell-all books that came out within yeah. a year jeff johnson Uh-oh. no one liked the guy everybody hated him and they're all pretending they like him and then is he gone thank god he's gone and he's dumping him on us I believed that he was going to win. I just thought, yeah. oh, this is one of yeah. those deals. Yeah. Chicago's going to go along with it. It was 2010. We're heading to 2011. Uh, there was all the, the really best known people were backing out of the election. Mm-hmm. Sheriff Dart backed out of the election. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lisa Madigan backed out of the election. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. You know. There's something going on. So I yeah. just figured yeah. this is one of those done deals and Chicago's going to fall. Our in. little TV show is a very low budget show, but we've had a standing offer with $100 cash for the first person <laughs> who can come in with the audio recording of that conference call with, you know, Rom and Rich and Bill <laughs> Daly. I'm in. And, yeah. <laughs> it's like, listen, we're going to send Bill to Washington and, uh, you know, we yeah we need we need you to come over here to Chicago. Well, okay, I'll do it. I thought the question you're going to ask me is when did you uh, finally just realize <laughs> turn against Rom? And I always like to say I gave him three month honeymoon. Okay, you go back and read the story. <laughs> first hundred days. It was that first. That was that first budget. That first budget did me yeah, in yeah. Uh, where he was closing the clinics. And um, saying that that was a waste of money, closing the mental health clinics, uh, and then he was favoring a uh, a tax hike or a, a tax break for CME, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and he was telling firefighters, you go into fire fire, uh, fire station houses and telling firefighters, I'm going to cut your pensions. You put all those together, and I'm like, oh no, 
Mm-hmm. This is this guy's mm-hmm. not right for the city of Chicago. He doesn't get Chicago. He's not helping. Chi- you know, tell firefighters I'm going to cut your pensions. Uh, I mean, so yeah. anyway, that's uh, haven't really changed my mind. But now with everybody else, you're right, uh, Jeff. Everybody else is jumping on the bandwagon. I'm going to start being pro rom. I got a pro rom T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take a picture of that. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to close down with One Central. Get their thoughts on the One Central deal. I know Ken Davis is a huge fan of One Central. <laughs> We'll be right back. He loves anything with a train. He loves. We'll be right back. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right, that super cool music means we're almost done with the show, not done yet. And by the way, I'd like to thank Ken Davis. He's playing on keyboards on that one. Jamming away, Kenny D. My pleasure. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Johnson here all playing bass. I love that song. I don't know where you found it, uh, Dennis. Uh, anyway, uh, we have Jeff Johnson uh, in the studio and Ken Davis, and we were talking about Mayor Rahm's legacy. Uh, and that. Uh, well, we weren't really talking about it. We were just kind of. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken Davis has a I love Rahm Emanuel t- <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> you know, Ben, you got to be fair, all right? It's here where you can't see it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ken and I will be in the senior citizen home in about 30 years arguing over, I like them. People like them. Well, but the truth, too, though, is it, always in hindsight, you know, in a couple years, people are going to be waxing poetic about daily, and then mm-hmm. a couple years later, it's going to be mm-hmm. all the good things, you know. I got to tell you this. I do not and know Trump. anybody who. Yeah, and nobody's Trump. nobody's whack. <laughs> the problem with Daly is that he that parking meter deal when he left office, Jeff. Wherever I go, people bitch and moan about the parking yeah, meter yeah, deal. Yeah. If Daly had left in two thousand and three, oh, oh it's I so can't. true. It, it, there would be museums everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think that with uh, his brother running, they were still a little too close. Yeah. I think if they would have so. waited, maybe an election cycle or two. And then the poetic, oh, a daily? Oh, nostalgia kicks in at yeah. that point. But oh, Bill would have okay. been a little too old maybe by then. No, that's what I mean. No, yeah, another yeah, daily. Yeah. Another yeah. A baby daily. Yeah. A baby, baby, baby yeah, daily. Baby, baby. A lot well, of baby I always dailies. said Nora Daly was the one who you did who say that. Yeah. set up to be the next mayor. That was Richie's, uh, that's Richie's daughter. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, before we get to uh, one central conversation, uh, Dennis, you have an update for it? Absolutely. It's just the uh, article here. Lori Lightfoot has weighed in on mm-hmm. the One Central development deal. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. France Spielman and David Roeder. Shout out to Dave. We just met him last David week. David Roeder. All right. Mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot had a message Thursday for a Wisconsin developer pressing for a quick legislative action to pave the way for construction of One Central. That message, not so fast. All right. We read some uh, earlier quotes here. We have some more quotes from Lori Lightfoot regarding this. Let me... Pull it up here. Okay, here we go. She says, I have a lot of questions about the impact on surrounding neighborhoods, particularly developments that you can see, which would be just west of this proposed development. A lot of that development is relatively new. I also want to see the traffic plan, what the traffic plan is going to be, what the infrastructure plan is going to be. I know in theory they are not asking for city dollars, as I understand it, but it's obviously going to have a significant impact on the city for good or for bad. And I want to understand better what the plan is and ask all the questions residents of the city would expect us to ask before I could form an opinion about it, either positive or negative. All right, very good. And the plan itself, I've talked about this earlier uh, in the show, uh, is, again, the the developer is proposing to effectively build a platform over the train tracks, which are just uh, west of Soldier Field, along Lakeshore Drive and the South Loop, and then uh, construct on that platform uh, some towers. He has the air rights to build those towers. That would be a whole new community for the city of Chicago. I could do a whole bunch of pros for the deal. I could do a whole bunch of cons for the deal. The point I want to leave listeners with is that, folks, this is not free. Essentially, what he wants you, the public, to do is to build that, pay for that platform that he builds the skyscrapers on. That's the part of the deal that he doesn't want you to think about that that much, but that's essentially what he's asking. And the selling point, Ken Davis, the selling point, Jeff Johnson, is that it would be a transit center, that effectively he could uh, build a connection uh, for all, like the metro trains, the Amtrak trains, and the CTA trains, and it would be a new and innovative way uh, to connect all these different rail services for the city of Chicago. So that's the selling point to justify a three-point 
$1.8 billion at the moment. We all know how these things rise over time. So it could be $5 billion before it all is said and done. But anyway, that is the justification for public expenses. And it would be state dollars, not city property tax dollars. He's not asking for TIF money. So, Kenneth Davis, when you hear that explanation, does that... Uh, make you want to support this plan or does it leave you with reservations uh, along the lines of Lori Lightfoot? Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm in the Lori Lightfoot camp on this. We've got to see a lot more details before we can, you know, express an opinion. However, I will address the, the whole issue of how this thing sort of came about for that space that's west of, you know, across the, across the Lakeshore Drive, the tracks and all that. We had a, um, Rob Perrell on our show a couple of weeks ago. He's a really interesting demographer, and, and he was talking about how the the um, zone of affluence in Chicago is. He believes it begins around Montrose and Western, and heads and goes all the way down to the the seventy eight. And, and, and but but with this, it would actually have the ability, and you can weigh in one way or another on this. But it would have the way it would have the ability to tie all of the South Lakefront into that zone of affluence, which could mean for the first time that the South. He didn't say all this. I'm adding this in. <laughs> he, he just said that the that that's the next that's the next zone and that this could this could tie these two opportunities together for chicago to become more accessible all the way along the lakefront in a way that it never has before and there are racial implications to that there are um, social societal implications to that in a way that 708 and, and Lincoln Yards don't have any of that. So I think there's something sociological about this that I find really interesting. And of course, the uh, the transit thing really excites me. The idea that you could tie the rapid transit system in Chicago to essentially to McCormick Place directly, to Soldier Field directly, that you can have that transit point to, to RTA and everything else. And I could go on for an hour mm -hmm. and I won't. But the the... Unlike these other developments, the seminal idea of this is a really good one. Now, of course, I totally agree with you. It's going to end up costing billions more. And, and yes, nothing's ever free. And instead of being a TIF, which comes out of or, or supplants our, in, our, our property taxes, this proposes to be we pay for it as citizens of Illinois Ooh. instead of citizens of Chicago. So, you know, I, there's so much to be thought about. But, boy, when I saw that, the kernel of that idea, I thought this is what development is supposed to be. So there. All right. And... Uh uh, so full disclosure, I happened to meet this uh, Robert. Uh, what's it done? Yes. Yeah, last night at an event, mm -hmm. and uh, in my full disclosure as well, when he said when it was one North Central or whatever, mm -hmm. one, uh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll cut you off guard. Yeah, yeah. cut me off guard a little bit. Okay, all right. Um, They're gonna need some electrical. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So now just going hey, going down the road, right? <laughs> Unions for Job, twenty years. Jobs. Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, um, with the infrastructure aspect, we all know that we need infrastructure upgrades. And now, to, to backtrack, wasn't this proposed, or an, a similar idea over the Ike years ago? They wanted to cap the Ike and put green space on top oh, yeah. of it. 
Yep. Yeah, that uh, the Eisenhower one that was, so that was, was that, that was, uh, that the was post a long office. Time ago. They were they were they were talking about basically essentially kind of like what they once did in Seattle, where you you cover the express. You cover the you yeah. cap the expressway make, and make, make them green tunnels. Space. Yeah, make yeah. them tunnels and make park. Yeah. So this isn't was necess- that the Eisenhower or the Kennedy the Ike? No, oh, it was it was the, the West Side. Eisenhower, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. yeah. The West Side. So this isn't a new idea per se. This is an idea that's been out there, and so um, well the concept of of well putting buildings buildings over thoroughfare. Yeah, it's been enough of it. So you can update the infrastructure. We all know we need to do that. Mm-hmm. And like Ken was saying about tie it in and change it. And you, know, you can really kind of fix what probably should have been done when they did this how many years ago. Um, and then the jobs, jobs, jobs that it puts uh, for 10 years worth of uh, work in. You know, you're, you're getting all your trade unions and, you know, you're putting people to work. Um, then you get into the debate of how much you know, tax breaks do you give. And the question, I think, you know, when you weigh it in as far as what's a, you know, like at the pension fund, we make a $50 million investment hoping that we end up getting $100 million back. Mm-hmm. So if you could make a $50 million investment or how, you know, 3.8 or whatever you want to throw, throw and what numbers are thrown out there. And this is right now empty space that the only thing you have going is there's a McCormick bus road that goes down mm-hmm. there uh, that uh, they call it the Batman uh, tunnel yeah. that the mayor is the only one pretty much that uses it nowadays um, <laughs> and uh, trains that go up there and blow smoke um, if you can turn this into some type of you know, r- revenue uh, positive aspect I'm kind of inclined to go it can be good you know well, I got to tell you the fact uh, I, I was claiming victory earlier in the show in this one, but tiffs, the fact that yeah. they took tiffs off the table yeah. uh, is yeah, an indication good. that uh, Lori Lightfoot really does mean what she said mm-hmm. when uh, when she uh, you know agreed signed on uh, to the uh, Lincoln Yards deal, or uh, but or maybe this developer is just one step ahead of everybody else and realizes that he would never get that tiff dollars. But who knows? The fact that you are broadening the group of people who are investing in it mm-hmm. from just the people in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. to the entire state of Illinois and yeah. to the feds too, because it would yeah. be federal dollars reassures me on a lot of level. You know, a lot of these big time deals, Ken Davis, you know this, like when we were going to finance the Olympics, it was all property tax dollars. Yeah. So I got my yeah. friend, guys in Highland Park are going, oh, I'm for the Olympics. Well, yeah, you're not paying for it. <laughs> no wonder you're for it. So, uh, okay, Highland Park. Okay, uh, Lake Forest. Okay, Hinsdale. You know, do you want this? Mm-hmm. You're paying for it. Do you mm-hmm. put this at the top of the list? Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. It could be a great deal for the city of Chicago. If you're taking property that's not paying taxes right now and you turn it into tax producing property and you're not turning it over to a TIF so you don't get the benefits, it could be money that would help pay the pensions, et cetera, et cetera. So it's definitely uh, worth looking. Somebody else is going to pay for the deal. Uh, But you know what the funny thing is, Jeff Johnson? When you listen to what uh, Lori Lightfoot talks about, the objections are things like, will the buildings they build block out the view that the... Well, yeah, all the, uh, yeah, those new development, you know, South Loops boomed recently. And what's funny is, and, you know, in talking with him, he talked about how he's done basically the entire NFC North, or or NFC, yeah, yeah, right? Outside of Chicago. Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, Green Bay, Minneapolis, and Detroit. He's had similar projects where that's what he's done around, like, football stadiums for lack of a better word around the public transportation he's developed the land into that i like the part about 
almost all these apartments will have views right into Soldier Field. So it's going to be like Cubs Park. They're going to have to build. Like, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's right. The, the McCaskies are having a heart attack right now. <laughs> Wait, what? How can we make money off of this? Exactly. Because one of those condos would still be cheaper than a box seat at Soldier Field. Right? <laughs> You're right. Uh, you know, so I, but put it to this way, uh, if there would have been a TIF funded deal, I'd probably be absolutely adamant. No way. But uh, I'm encouraged. That but, and you know, uh, Mayor Lightfoot's uh, statement is pretty is pretty spot on. Well, there's a lot of questions. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. what about what about this? What about no? That? But I, I got to tell you this. And uh, oh, again, with all my friends in the South Loop mad at me when I say Uh-oh. this. But um, when it comes to development deals in the city of Chicago in the past, the funding aspect of it was the the part they didn't want us to pay attention to because they didn't want us to realize that these were all tax hikes mm-hmm. and through TIF funds. So they didn't want us to pay attention to that. So they would get us to pay attention to things like, would the new building block out other people's view? Would it obstruct the sunlight that mm-hmm. they would get on their gardens? Well, how much would the traffic impact be? Like every single project was only a matter of concern to the people who live like within the very immediate circle yeah. if you drew a line around mm-hmm. it. Oh, did you see Alderman Burnett's uh, recent uh, community Burnett. meeting? Yeah, no. it, it was about a, a new project that they want to put up in the West Loop. So when so, he stormed out of? Did he yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are angry because it's going to block views of their condo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And started roughing them up. He went, I'm out. Out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I just got reelected. I don't need to take this. Uh, <laughs> but it's like you said, though, it's the local people that are concerned about it's it. It's the local people yeah. that are concerned. But when it comes to a TIF deal, it's a citywide tax hike. So they only talk about the local. And when they appease the locals, like, oh, they were really reasonable. Yeah. Well, what about my tax? They give us a soccer stadium. They give it. They <laughs> took away the soccer stadium. <laughs> They're going to take away yeah. the soccer stadium. Right, right. Uh, so anyway, I know that Ken, you're pro- you have a good point when you say this. This. Uh, as opposed to the flyover at Belmont, uh, could have some great, uh, you know, uh, ramifications for transit needs in the city of Chicago, particularly in the South Loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I'm not opposed to this. As, you know, it, it even opens up things like you know the Michael Reese site, which is immediately south of it. Wouldn't yeah. it, maybe maybe it finally would a incentivize casino. something to happen there that would be that ha- might have some social yeah. good. Who knows? But casino. Yeah, a casino is uh, probably casino. coming to Michael Reese. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. But uh, it'll. It, no, that's Lakeside. Uh, that's yeah, where that's, that, right, that's yeah. been held for that for years. Right. I believe that. But uh, yeah. let's not kid ourselves, folks. There is a public expense here. That's the other thing they try to lose. There's there. always, always a public expense. Uh, well, no, there was no public expense when I fix my porch. Okay? Nobody gave me money to fix my Let porch. Think about that. Um, uh, now you're going to say, say <laughs> get your tax bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was that your tax right refund? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm the reason why we have a huge tax thing. All right. Uh, that. So we're going to be like Lori Lightfoot. We're going to study this and yeah. be talking about yeah. this. We're on board with the mayor on this one. On mm-hmm. terms of studying it. Yeah. For once, I'm on, on board with a mayor of the city of Chicago. Yeah. How about that? Or at least more, so. more than 90 days. Let's see. Let's yeah, see over under. <laughs> Do you ride the brown line ever? Uh, oh, I ben? ride the brown line every day. I yeah. ride the blue line every day. That's how I get here. So uh, when they get that Belmont flyover done, oh my God. Your, your brown line trains are going to just zoom, zoom right, right down. On, it's going to be so, you're going to love it. And I will uh, say, there are local nine members working on the uh, God bless it. Yeah. That's the only good thing coming out of that. <laughs> local nine members. Lots of, uh, lots of iron workers. Jobs, too, jobs, sure, yeah. jobs. You know what? Uh, You're giving up on a that lot, one, Ron? A lot of, of I lost right. that fight. Uh, how many how many years ago did I lose that fight? But you'll never get me to concede that it's anything 
uh, more than a good way to employ oh, Article 9 yeah, members. Yeah, you're, you're just, you you just, you've never been willing to understand trans policy. <laughs> you know what? I'll leave him with that. That is the great Ken, Kenneth Davis. Jeff Johnson here so as well. So we're not going to get to talk about this anymore, huh? That's it. You're, you're just cutting us off. Uh, Wait. Uh, time <laughs> of, uh, you're out. In terms of Security. the over... The, the, yeah. What is it called? The, 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 the flyover? The just so people know what this is, all right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. You're going to describe yeah, it. Yeah, the flyover uh, at Belmont. Uh, that's where the uh, purple line and the brown line and the green line all not the green line no that's um, the red line purple red and brown yeah yeah and uh um yes purple red and brown they all come together and so mayor ram in uh in all his infinite wisdom decided the way to uh well that's not exactly true it was something that's been planned it was planned in like i think the 1950s yeah there's a lot of things that are planned that nobody ever does (laughs) but mayor ram was the one who actually got it yes they were talking about extending for forever for as long as i've been living in this area the uh the red line line all the way to but yeah somehow or other they've been talking about that forever and they never done that one uh, but it's, but know, they'll endlessly find new ways too. to spend money on the that's brown gotta, line. Okay. Gotta, well, no, it's not the brown line. It's the it's the red line north, which is and the purple line in Evanston, which hasn't had one dollar put in it since 1911 or no. something. All right. So anyway, so this a uh, flyover. <laughs> this like this giant thing that goes over the tracks. It's an well, overpass. Yeah, it's an yeah, overpass. Like, will alleviate yeah, yeah. the uh, the traffic jam, and uh, yes. you're a big proponent of that. I Ken have Davis. always been. And uh, I have always been a little skeptical yeah, about it, I know. ever since Mayor Rahm said <laughs> that the reason we're doing this, uh-huh. and this gets back into how Mayor Rahm some, sometimes markets things the right, wrong way. Right. He said, I forget, I don't have the article in front of me, he was going to cut, like, cut 28 cut, like, seconds or well, something. Well, it was right. more than that, and so I, it took like a minute of time or whatever the time was you went so i went out with a stopwatch stop <laughs> yeah, guess what reporter ben the investigative yeah, exactly. reporter, investigative right. reporter right. camera zoom uh, in on him. Right. anyway i've lost that fight i've raised the white flag on that fight but how much of it was federal money though too because a lot of the transit money yeah, is, ends up was, being federal yeah it, and also a gift from barack it, obama wasn't it yeah see you know, that, it's not our city tax money. yeah listen well that's so the you're okay thing. with that right yeah, yeah. yeah. the feds want to spend their money exactly building the over by the way the money out of your pocket. Wasn't there also? <laughs> isn't it also um, TIF transit? Uh, transit TIF funds. Yes, transit. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the incredible transit TIF. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll do a whole thing on the transit <laughs> TIF. Sometimes <laughs> too late in the day to go into that. Uh, Jeff Johnson, Ken Davis. Want to thank uh, Miles Conflasson, who was in the I, show earlier. I feel the, very uncomfortable being brought here as a as a as a straw dog to defend Rahm Emanuel, but I don't, I'll, I'll do it anyway. Yeah, I, st- I stuck up for him. We were both against him. What's going on here? I, 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 think it's like, I feel like a freak show or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably be saying nice things about Rahm about, <laughs> about 10 years. No, about three months into Lori. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> you know, that great Rahm Emanuel. You know, about, never, say what you will about Rahm. Anyway, I also want to thank Miles Conflassen and Mick Dumpke who showed up out of nowhere earlier in the show and of course the man the myth the legend uh, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois uh, they call him White Lightning down in Alton uh, <laughs> no they don't that's a, yesterday's joke uh, the ladies all love him for his body and his mind keep yourself raised take it out of petty cash you did a great job Dr. D see you tomorrow everybody hey live streamers did you know uh, you can download the show yeah if there's any portion of the show you missed just head over to chicago.suntimes.com or chicagoreader.com and give me till about 4 o'clock and I'll have uh, today's show up and ready for download. 
downloaders. Did you know we live stream the program? Yes, we do. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at the same websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com. Join us, won't you? Or don't. See you tomorrow.